Am I rehearsaling myself? I mean, kind of, or like you're, it's more like you're simulating a past situation because maybe you weren't fully ready to let go of the past situation. Yeah, no shit. I share a house with my (laughs) ex-husband. Hi, how you doing? I just got the craziest delivery. You know, these, here's what I'm going to say. Like these, these, uh, the boxes, you know, start Kim Kardashian started the thing, right? Like sending out the chocolate, like an influencer box kind of, which I mean, she's, she started it. Yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. The influencer boxes. I ripped it off when I did my book. Yeah. And that was, something else <laughs> and then they've just like gone bonkers and like brands have just been trying to like outdo themselves I'm, i the mean others? nobody does it like beyonce nobody does how do i get on that fucking list where you get like a whole garment rack of, of yeah clothing? from beyonce <laughs> i would die i would die I mean, I would die if I got that. I would die. I would die. I want want Lizzo's underwear. Does that come in any type of box? Probably for some people, not for me. But I would I would love a a box of Lizzo's underwear. (laughs) Yitty. I I know. Why don't we book why don't we book her on the pod to talk about Yitty? I mean, yes. Let's do it. Yes. We have her manager's contact info. Let's reunite. <laughs> um, how's it going? What's happening? Nothing happening. Just, you know, just here on a Tuesday. What's yeah. happening? What's happening with you? Not much. Just in a terrible <laughs> mood. <laughs> You're in a terrible mood. Why? Yes, I've been in a terrible mood. Have you not noticed? <laughs> I mean, we haven't talked a lot. We, we It's been a couple days. We talked earlier. Or later last week, but we well, first of all, okay. Well, first of all, wait. First off, right now, while I'm talking to you, yes, I need to do this thing for Emily BB because you know she's doing the auction for May Day, May Day Rescue, Rescue. She's like very involved in the dog rescue. Yes. On another note, guys, just because I'm crazy, I googled. The place where Mark had gotten Gina the other day and Gina has sisters that are for sale. Now, this is a breeder. Gina was not rescued. You know, I felt so guilty about it. I donated the amount of money that Mark paid for Gina to Emily's dog rescue because I've always been a person that has believed myself to be a rescue dog Yeah, person. you had a rescue dog. Mm-hmm. He was terrible. But yes. And, <laughs> um, but, uh, and then... You know, traveling for work. I've told this story before. Mark had made this deal. Birdie had found this puppy. Whatever. They bought the puppy. I was like, it's out of my hands. Yeah. Emily was livid. I know. And so I said, look, I'm going to find out how much Mark paid for this puppy and whatever it is. I will donate it to your Mayday Rescue. That's M-A-E. 
D-A-Y. M-A-E-D-A-Y. Rescue, Rescue Org. Where little Nick has been. Uh, Emily's been fostering little Nick. Poor Nick. He's Nick can't get it can't get himself adopted. You know why? Um, I think it's because he is very person like. And uh, I think I he think behaves. it's because he wants to stay with Emily. Yeah, I think so too. I think, and he has he's like, like, I think he blows it every time he goes to another house. Yeah, he's like, fuck this, I want to go back to that lady's house, which is very human, like, right? It's really cute. Actually, and when he I goes to, to someone else's house, they're like, this dog doesn't love us. <laughs> no, this dog kind of sucks. And then, <laughs> and then, and, and then, then he comes back to Emily when house. he gets to go back to Emily's I know. house. And Emily's like, he's the best dog. I don't know why people won't, don't want him. And then, so then there's a whole love like, triangle with her other dog, Alfie. Well, Alfie's like, what upset. the fuck is this dog doing? Alfie here? doesn't want him there, and so it's stressing Emily out. So like, whatever. <sighs> anyway, I looked up the kennel. And just I don't even know why I was just. I was actually I was procrastinating the other day and so I was just like you know like when you're like I reached the end of the internet and then I just started like googling weird shit yeah or maybe I don't know maybe it popped up in my feed I don't know how I got there I'm not gonna commit to a yeah I'm not gonna commit to a way I got there yeah but Gina does have some sibs for sale and then I was like, oh, look at the baby Ginos. They're don't so look, fucking don't. cute. They are cute. I know. No, it's not happening. Don't look. No, 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 no. Because, um, you know, but, that's how we ended up with, like, I mean, we rescued our dogs, but we were only trying to get one. And we were trying to get one, and then she was, like, taken. And so we, then we took, like, the clearance dog that was, like, the only mm-hmm. one left from the litter. We tried to sure. get a series of dogs from the litter. And so we were already down to, like, fifth place. And they were like, no, she's taken. And then we were like, okay, we'll take the, the like, clearance rack dog that, that nobody is trying to adopt. And so we got her. And then they called back. And they were like, hey, listen, the dog that you wanted before uh, is... She was returned. Do you want her too, or do you want us just to like, you know? And we were like, what does you know mean? And they were like, well, you know. Uh, and then we were like, okay, of course, we'll take both dogs. So we took both dogs and uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the best it was the best decision for them, but maybe not the best decision for peace and harmony. What kind of rescue is it? They weren't gonna kill her. I they were just guilting you. That's what they do. <laughs> I don't know, but I know that we said yes very fast in a way that we probably would have considered more um, more heavily in another situation. And I, I love know, sometimes them. I think, sometimes I think that like, and listen, guys, if you work with a rescue or whatever, I'm not talking about you, okay? But sometimes I do think that some people that work at the rescues like just – they have, they're in like the turnover biz. So they just like kind of say whatever they need to say to like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe. And like you, you guys had already been cleared and were already, you already had a dog, one of the dogs from the litters, from the litter that you were like happy with. Yeah. And then they get this difficult lady returned and they're like, I don't know, that family seemed nice. They have two boys. Let's just, let's just, get, just say whatever you got to say. Get that, get that dog there. <laughs> You know what I mean? All I know is they came in a truck. They had put them in a little crate together because they were sisters. They arrived with each other's shit all over them. And it's been similar energy for the past 11 years. Yeah. <laughs> all right. 
<laughs> it's just, um, we didn't know. We didn't know that you really uh, shouldn't always adopt siblings from the same litter. They came from an animal hoarding situation. And um, they're Jack Russell Terriers, part Jack Russell Terriers. And uh, those are really active dogs to begin with. And then I guess um, sometimes family members, like people, they aren't like BFF. Yeah, it makes me sad for them. <laughs> well, it's just very much like a little bit of a dysfunctional family. Sometimes they love each other mm. and sometimes they want to literally bite each other's organs out. <laughs> Our cats are different, though. We have brother-sister cat. Oh, cats. yeah. We had brother cats before. Yeah. They were fine. Our cats, our cats are fine. All they would do was like do that thing where they almost like like a cat 69. Do you know that? Where they would like head down near another one's bottom, the other one's head where the other one's bottom is. Then they would like grab each other with their top legs and kick each other in the face with their back legs. That was the most violent thing that ever happened with the brother cats. Oh, no, but that's You horrifying. don't know this? I'm sure there's videos online. My cats can't be the only two cats that ever did the the cat 69 face kick. I mean, a 69 denotes something else. Yes, I know. But I'm saying, like, just, you know, I'm trying to get you to picture the body position. And then, you know, they weren't, like, they weren't doing the sexual thing. They were just in that body position <laughs> to kick each other in the face at the same okay. time. Well, okay, so... um Oh, BB. So you're in a, oh, this you're is in look a, at, I mean, yeah. literally, I didn't fucking do it. Ugh. I keep telling Emily, I'm like, I'll post on my stories. So, she, so she's like, really taken um, a leadership role. Yes, at the dog in, rescue. At the dog rescue, but for their big annual fundraiser. Yes, which I am and attending next on Saturday. Are? Yeah, I think there's a couple of tickets left. So if you want to stalk Casey, get on in there. <laughs> Link Please in do. stories. Link in stories. Um, but there's like a g pretty great auction that Emily has single-handedly put together. Yes. And my, my uh, friend Mike donated some nights at one of his cabins in Big Bear. Oh, wow. He's a big animal lover. Okay, wait. What, I just have to do the stories right now. Okay. I just, I'm going to do them while we're yeah. doing Oh, okay. okay. Busy's going to make an Instagram story while we're doing the podcast for Emily's. I'll also, but I'll also just keep doing the podcast. Yeah, at the same time. So you can see how it Guys, goes. BFF, Emily, BB, I'm doing the podcast right now. And if you listen to the podcast when it comes out tomorrow, you'll hear this story. But BFF, Emily, BB, um, the dog rescue that she works with is having their big fundraiser next week and there's lots of great auction items and I'm going to put the link well there's the link and you can go and bid on things and help homeless animals find their forever homes and then get cool stuff yay second you, you did it you did <laughs> okay. it all right, Emily will be happy. I'm a good friend. I'm not an asshole. <laughs> she works very hard for that dog rescue, and they do really good work. It's not just a dog rescue, by the way. They rescue cats and all kinds of other critters, creatures. Now, Busy's actually has what to— kind of What kind of creatures? 
I don't know. I think it's mostly just dogs and cats, but I feel like they wouldn't turn away like a ferret. But I don't know. Don't quote me. You have to ask Natalie, who is like the boss of the dog rescue. Okay. Can I tell you what I kind of want to get Cricket for Christmas? What? An axolotl. Oh, they're so cute. I did a bunch of research the other night when I couldn't sleep about them. Yeah. First of all, it's like Cricket's dream animal. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it looks obviously. Like a science fiction creature. I it mean, it's like CGI. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, wait, what is it called? It's not a, what is it? Auction. <laughs> Busy is trying to FYI post the story for Emily BB and like do the podcast at the same time. And it's nobody can multitask that hard. So I mean, I'm just going to talk while she's like, no. No. Wait, An tell axolotl. Me, so t- Look it up. It's oh. so cute. Look it up right now. You guys, you guys, it is like, a, if I got Cricket an axolotl. So I think they're, so I think that they're, it's not legal in California to have them. Okay. I don't know why though. I was looking it up. They're, you know who they can tell like, you what's, what animal is legal to have in every state? My son, Eli, because all he wants to do is, like, he basically wants to be, like, a not bad tiger king. Like, you know, he loves animals and uh, has raised—well, you know, when he was a little kid, like, we had a dwindling frog population in our area, and he went and collected the— um the eggs, the spawn, so that he could, like, raise the frogs in his room and then release them back into the wild. Like, such a weirdo. That's what my house sounded like with Eli Debenham, age nine, living in it, was just frogs, like, mating and croaking. I just think it would be really good for Cricket to have something to, like, take care of. She really, remember how much she loved her fish when she was little? Yeah. She loved her fish. And so... And I think she still thinks they're alive somewhere in L.A. Uh, I well. never told her that Ray killed them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I, guys, I don't think he... I mean, did he? I don't remember actually now. He might have. Hard to tell. It's water. Hard to tell. It fish was, water uh, under the bridge. True. Truly. Truly. I really liked those fish, though, too. Yeah, I think course. I'd be down for an axolotl as well. They are fish. so cute. Aquariums are so relaxing. I had a giant saltwater aquarium when I was a kid. That was like our one family luxury. And it was very stressful because it's, you know, it's very hard to take care of, um, to maintain. But we had beautiful sea anemones in it and they were so pretty and so relaxing and meditative to watch. And then everything got infected by something because we got like a bad addition to the tank that got everything sick. And then I used like the tank stand for a TV stand. After everything passed away. That's a sad story. It was a sad story, but, you know, but but it really prepared me for a career in television because uh, I just watched TV 24-7 after there were no fish to watch. Um, Okay, so Mayday Rescue, great. Did that. Done. Uh, Tell me... What happened? Do you want to tell the story or no? Do you not want to tell the story? Well, I we can we usually do this later in the podcast, but I can say like what I did my best at this week was I'll And that's just, a part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. That's okay. Good. Um, okay, good. Okay. 
So I was having a dinner with one of my lawyers this past week, and it's just because we're friendly and we like each other and miss each other and um, and not for any business reasons because there really haven't been any business reasons to have a dinner in a, in a while. And um, she came into the restaurant and she had kind of like a funny look on her face and she sat down and she was like, well, um, this was going to be just a social dinner, but it is now a business dinner because just as I was leaving the office, uh, Jeff, my other lawyer, Chunk from the Goonies. Um, <laughs> love Chunk. Love Chunk from the Goonies. <laughs> I hope he doesn't get mad when I tell people that, but I just, people, it's such a beloved character that, and he doesn't look like Chunk anymore. So, you know, I just feel the need to tell people. But anyway, Jeff, Got an email asking you to submit an audition to be on a TV show. And I was like, what? Is it like a reality show? And she was like, no, it's like a comedy and uh, it's starring this comedian. I don't want to say what the show was or whatever, because here's the thing. You guys are all so nice and so protective of me at all times. So when I in all likelihood, don't get this role. I don't want anyone to be mad at this show because I'm excited about this show. I don't know the comedian who created it. I'm just a fan of this person. But um, I'm I'm a fan of this show, and I'm excited for it. So, um, I mean, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm already a fan of it. I'm a fan that it exists, and I'm a fan of the person who created it. So I don't want anyone to get upset. But so anyway... She was like, they want you to put yourself on tape to audition for this role. And I was like, I was like, that is bizarre. Like, I don't I even, love it. I don't even know how this happened. So first of all, before I go any further, I just want to say if the person that recommended that I do this, if the person that emailed my lawyer um, knows me from the podcast or, or whatever, thank you so much because just... It was super cool to just have, like, a nice surprise and to hear that, like, somebody was thinking of you in a way that is, like, a little different than uh, how you even think of yourself. So I got the script, and it was really funny, and um, then I learned that I had, like, two days. Like it was, it was a really short turnaround, which I, you know, obviously that makes sense that you wouldn't have forever to just study your lines. But they were really like kind of beefy, two beefy scenes. It was a lot of pages and a lot of lines. So of course, I immediately started calling all of my friends who actually do this for a living and being like, um, I think I'm going to do this weird thing. Like, how do you even do it? And so I got advice from you, Busy. I got advice from the great Rebecca Metz from Better Things, who we just talked about the other week on the podcast. I got advice from Ashley Nicole Black and Kristen Bartlett. And I got advice from our friend Janie Haddad-Tompkins, who uh, has been on this podcast, as has Ashley. And uh, and Janie really was like, Janie is the best because she's so calming and amazing. And she was like, here's literally how you learn your lines. Rebecca told me the smartest thing. She said, say, just say it like a person. Don't try to like do a bit or whatever, you know? And I thought that was really good advice. But Janie was like, here's how you learn the lines. Here's how you break it down. And then she was like, you can come to my house and I'll tape you because there's really specific things that you have to do to like the way that it has to be shot and the way it should look and what you have to say before you do the lines. And then it's called a slate. It's called a, a slate. slate. Yes. <laughs> but you know what is so annoying to me? And 
And this is, can I interrupt you for yes, two seconds? Yes, of course. Hollywood break. So Casey called me and I was like, Ugh, I hate that your first audition is on, like for something, is on tape. And I have been hearing this a lot from my actor friends in the last couple of years, but like, even though, you know, it's a lot of business back to normal um, in many ways, people are still being asked to put themselves on tape for these auditions. And like, I just don't think it's the greatest because even if you're going in for just the casting director and they're putting you on tape, like it's a cast, the casting director who's like right. had know the extensive, show. Yeah. extensive meetings with the director and the writers and knows the show and knows the tone and knows if you're immediately like in the right wheelhouse or if you've like made some choice that's like bonkers and they're like, hey, actually, you know what? Let me tell you something. <laughs> I think that what they're thinking of for this is X or whatever. Right. And I just feel like so many people are at such a disservice. Actors, performers are at such a disservice to be doing, trying to get jobs this way. It's just, it feels like impossible to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just, I'm really, I don't know. It makes me sad because I wish, like, you could go in and you could read with a casting person and, right. like, have that experience and have them give you some direction and do it right. again, you know? Right. Anyway. Yeah. So, anyway, this was, like, a tape thing, which I guess is pretty normal now. It's but par for the course now. Not the way that it used to be mm-hmm. done. And, um, yeah, and Janie... Uh, was like, you could come do it at my house. I could shoot it because you need someone to read the other lines um, opposite you. And hopefully that person is is pretty good at reading lines. And I've done that part before. I've like taped my friends before and read the other lines. I've done it for Heather Matarazzo um, before. And so I knew what that was like, like being on the other side of it. But then Janie was also like, or you could use this service that I use. It's you know, fairly inexpensive, but they shoot the whole thing. They edit the whole thing. There's like a person there that reads the lines with you. And I was like, maybe I'll do that just because I'll be super nervous and, you know, just whatever. So that's what I did. I went to this place called On The Mark um, Studios, I think it's called. And this guy, Jesse, was my scene partner. And he also taped everything. And he was really great. And he was so nice. But, like, the funny thing is, I don't want to give too much away about, because, like I said, I don't want people trying to, like, sleuth out what the show was. But the role was kind of, like, opposite of who I am. It was kind of, like, a fancy, like, not necessarily a villain, but, you know, like, you know, anyway, a very fancy person. And so, like, I didn't go overboard, but I tried to wear, like, my fanciest, most expensive blouse and um, and then, like, a nice skirt and boots or whatever so that, you know, you kind of look the part. And, um, but I still don't have a car <laughs> because uh, we'll talk about Carvana maybe later in the podcast. But um, my son recently purchased a 1970 Dodge pickup truck that looks every minute of its 52 years old. And uh, he recently got that running and he was like, I'm going to clean up the truck and so I can take you to your audition thing. Um, but the thing is, like, I'm kind of worried because it doesn't have air conditioning. Obviously, you're going to get hot. 
it's the truck is really dirty um and we have to ride with the windows down and so i hope that's okay and i was like yeah 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 it's it, that's totally fine i'll just i'll just deal with it but so like my son was out there cleaning the truck and like in the bed of the truck there were like um there was uncrustables back there like loose uncrustables you know those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches there were loose b- besides like yeah. other- Besides other things, what the fuck but, is happening? I don't know. But he was like cleaning cobwebs and everything. And he was like, I really tried to deep clean the upholstery so it wouldn't get your outfit gross. But so we're driving in this truck with the windows down. <laughs> Weren't we just talking about scary cars? Oh my yeah, God. We were. Like, your son bought a fucking scary car. <laughs> a scary car <laughs> where he literally had to do like hand signals out the window because it doesn't have like turn okay. signals. All right. All right. All right. Also, I'm like, I have to say, I'm a little annoyed at you right now. I am. Why? That I didn't because take an Uber. <laughs> no. A. Yeah. Because sometimes, because here's what I want to just say. I just want to say this. I just want to say this. <laughs> I think that there are people, and I know that I am this person sometimes too. Yeah. That, like, does things the hard way. Yeah. Because on, like, a subconscious level, you're like, I can do this the hard way because I can do this. Because I can handle this. Yeah. I'm a person who's capable, and I would rather just do this the hard way than be holden to someone else's generosity or offers or whatever. But I... Truly fucking called you because I have you this did. friend said, in LA yes. who, who has car. an extra car that she said she would loan you. <laughs> I know, but it's like I keep being told and that like you my don't car really is going to know them. I understand yes. like that well, but you have met. Yes. And who fucking cares? Just take the car. No, I know. But they keep saying like, oh, we just have to do one more thing to your car. And then they're like. I know, but this was what I said to you literally. When did I call you? A week and a half ago? (laughs) Yes. Was it before the podcast last week? No, I think it was was after. after. I think it was after. It's been a week since I called you I know, I know, I know. And I was like, even if you only end up using this car for like 20 hours. Yes. Then for 20 hours, you have a nice air-conditioned <laughs> fucking car Listen that from- can get you from point A to point B if you need it. And if you don't want to use it, it can just sit in your driveway as it is just sitting in my friend's driveway right now. <laughs> Listen from my perspective, because Ashley also offered to loan me her car. Well, now I'm doubly mad. Now you're mad. I know. But here are two things. I've recently had to rent so many cars that the exchange of like picking up and dropping off off cars because of like all the car repairs and everything is frankly like I'm exhausted by just like the logistics of it and also the second thing is this was a total surprise so I didn't expect to have to really go anywhere and especially not like dressed in my most expensive outfit and I definitely didn't think it would be in a 52 year old pickup truck with uncrustables in it which is why when someone is like hey, you know what? Why don't you just take my car? I'm out of town or whatever. Um, just have it sit in the driveway. You don't ever have to use it if you don't want to use it. I know what you're saying. You know what? Um, Ashley and I were talking about it and we're like, it comes from like having like growing up poor energy a little bit, I think sometimes. And I was like, I mean, you know, sometimes you just repeat those behaviors where you just live without a car. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's, but you refuse, but refusing help is yes. its own 
that is its own thing. And it's yeah, a thing I that mean, I used to have. Like, I used to have a thing where I was like, if someone would offer to help me, even if it was like at the grocery store, like out to the car with my groceries, yes, I'd be like, no, exactly. no, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. Because, oh, clearly. Like, the, I, I mean, I told you about the lady that was like, had in New York City that had cats climbing up her and clawing her eyes out. And I was like, let me help you. And she was like, I can handle it. And I was like, there's never been a clearer illustration of someone who can't handle it. I'm not saying that, like, I'm not saying you have to accept everybody's help all the time. But, like, I think that getting used to the idea that, like, it's okay and no one thinks less of you for accepting help I don't even think it's that I just think like I don't know I just keep like trusting people Carvana because I don't trust them (laughs) I Carvana (laughs) don't even come to us trying to advertise although by the way if they did want to do like some sort of like big deal with me right now I'm I'm I would take it yeah I would 100% Um. take it (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'll tell you more about that after. But here's what I want to tell you is that, okay, so like Eli's hand signaling, it's like a 10 mile drive to the studio. And I have to say he did a great job like maneuvering this steel behemoth that has been like brought back from the dead, like risen from the grave truck. And it really looks like it looks like a zombie truck uh, because it's a beautiful aqua color, but the person who owned it before just spray painted it flat black. So Eli's trying to remove the black paint. It could be a beauty one day. It really could be a beauty. And he has big dreams of like putting an electric engine in it one day. But right now we it all is could, what it is. We all could yeah. be a beauty. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So one anyway, um, he deep cleaned the seats, but I mean, it was still kind of like haunted looking in there. And I, <laughs> and I also think like I wanted him to drive me because I wanted to not be with an Uber driver. I wanted to be like with uh-huh. my own people. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it I get it. I don't love an Uber. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I don't love, you know, I don't love other people driving. Right, right, at you, all. We've gotten into like so arguments you would have, about you it. You would have had to drive this three-ton truck or whatever. So anyway, um, it had no muffler. So that was kind of like meditative <laughs> in a way because I couldn't hear anything else but my own <laughs> thoughts and this um, roaring pickup truck engine and then I went in to the place to do the Mm. audition and the guy Jesse was so nice and he welcomed me and he was like how was it how was your trip here did you get lost and I was like no my son drove me in like this ancient um back from the dead truck and I was like and I have to be honest it was kind of creepy and like I'm a little bit skeeved out and I feel like I have things on me even though I know I don't and he was like oh no actually you have like a ginormous spider on your back So I started my audition with like killing a spider on my back and then uh, and then, you know, then I just did my thing and I learned all my lines, which you told me to do. Um, That's my that's literally it's my only advice to actors. Yeah. Yeah. Is that just know your fucking lines when you go in for an audition. Just know them. Yeah. All of them. So don't you don't have to look at the page. Yeah. Just uh, so look, I just know your lines. You I might, didn't look at the papers look at, at all. You you might look at your lines <laughs> if you if you need to, but you don't have to. Yeah. So I didn't look at my lines. I did my scenes. Um, he gave me some notes and I did like a couple tries at it, and then he told me which ones he thought were the best, and um. 
Yeah. And then I didn't do the thing that you always say to do where you um, throw your lines in the garbage when you're walking out. Because Ugh, there was, there so was no one there to see it. My number two thing that I tell everyone, <laughs> actors, this is my act. My acting, uh, my acting method, my, method. Cl- my meth- the, the, Phillips the Phillips method, method. Yes. is twofold. <laughs> know your lines. And when you leave the room, throw away the script, the sides, any materials that you use to prepare, get rid of it, get it out of you, get it gone, get it gone, throw yeah. it away, delete it from your <laughs> inbox. <laughs> well, I think throwing it away is also a little bit about doing it in front of everyone who's also there to audition to be like, yeah, I no, just no, no. killed it. No, 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 not at all. No, no, that's actually the wrong interpretation of it. That's oh, the interpretation okay. that right. Anna Ferris had of it when oh, we were okay. kids. No, okay. no, no, it's um, no, it's superstitious. Oh, okay. It's All like right. for me, it's like as soon as I would go in for an audition, I had to get rid of the script and the sides, even if it was like my favorite thing in the world and I wanted it more than anything, because yeah. I felt like if I held on to it, see, this is my like weird superstition. Yeah. My weird superstition was that if I held on to it, it would mean that I was like energetically like holding too tightly or something. Right, right. And that really you only want to like get the jobs that are right for you. Yeah. And you don't want to like call in the wrong jobs. And like, I think sometimes, especially when you're like a young actor starting out, you're just like, I'll take anything. (laughs) You know, like every job feels like the job, right? Like that you want or like the job you should have. Yeah. And so I felt like... I didn't want to energetically, like I felt like the best version of a career would present itself to me if I just let go of all of what I wanted job wise and allowed the people who are, you know, pulling the puppet strings. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In the universe (laughs) to like, just have it, have it just be pure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that, that makes sense. But, I didn't see a garbage on my way out, so I just okay. put them in my purse and I threw them away as soon as I got home. Fair enough. Um, all that being said, yeah, they sent me my little tapes at the end of the day. I submitted them. It was easy peasy. Um, the, easy peasy. The like making the tape and sending it. What's not easy peasy is acting. And so it's funny because Matt and I had like a huge talk about it because he kept trying to like encourage me like like you can do this you're gonna do this and I was like no I already said that I am doing it like I don't need that type of encouragement like I just need support you know and I know that you hate when I'm a pragmatist and when I'm like well we'll see what happens you know that does annoy me (laughs) because you're like you have to believe you gotta believe and I'm like Mm -hmm. no I do believe in myself in my ability to do this but I also want to be realistic about like everybody who goes up to do karaoke doesn't expect to get a record deal you know what I mean like sometimes you're just doing the best you can. And so that's what I was doing the best I could at something that I'm uh, almost a 100% novice at, regardless of like my proximity 
to to actors and and television and uh I was trying to communicate to Matt that I was really just trying to enjoy the moment. I was trying to enjoy a couple things. The fact that somebody was looking for something and was like, "Hey, why not this person? Why don't we give her a shot to try?" You know, like it could be nothing, but it could be something. So, I'm so grateful to whoever thought of my name and said, "Hey, it could be something." Um and I'm so grateful to all of my friends for sharing their expertise and that that was for someone for whom it is hard to ask for help or to even say like what's going on. The fact that I even shared that someone wanted me to do this like wild thing that I didn't even see coming in a million years, um, an opportunity to to try something like this uh, was kind of a big deal. And so, yeah, so that's what I was like. I don't need encouragement like this is going to happen because it's it's a million to one that it would happen. You know, it just it just is. And because like you were saying, is the part right for me? Am I the right person for the part? I mean, it's alchemy. Like there are four billion things that have to come together in order for anyone to get cast on anything. Right. And also, I'm just, I'm not a professional actor. So it's like, if I had had six months to practice, like maybe, I don't know. I just went in and tried to be myself and tried to do the best I can. So I'm super proud that like I accomplished just doing this series of things that uh, that I had never done before in like a relatively quick amount of time with the help of my friends. Base. Base. <laughs> The base, base, the base, base. We get these podcast ads um, for different things. And like we've said to you before, like we will say to you again, we insist that we try every product that we advertise. The newest welcome to the show, I would like to say, is base luggage and bags. And it's spelled B-E-I-S. Base was created by actress Shay Mitchell to make sleek and affordable bags, luggage, and accessories designed to help you travel effortlessly while still looking fashionable. I did not know that information when my base carry-on travel bag arrived. Yeah. Do you know how many times I have used it since I got it three weeks ago? Infinite uses because I see a picture of it every time you use it. I have used it so many damn times. I'm obsessed with this carry-on bag, you guys. It's genius. And by the way, of course, an actress came up with this. Because because who needs a better bag than a person traveling for work all the time? All the time. And their luggage comes in multiple sizes and colors. But the Weekender bag is what we got. I have the Weekender bag and I have the carry-on suitcase. I love the Weekender bag so much and it's so it was so thoughtfully designed and it's so cute. It's so yeah. like chic. Like I feel very like chic when I, when yes, I carry it yes. through the airport. Just the attention to detail is so yes. smart. Like in the Weekender bag, guys, there's this zip compartment on the bottom that fits two pairs of shoes. Do you understand what this means for me, Busy Phillips? I'm not traveling for the weekend with a pair of shoes. One pair of shoes. You're out of your mind. (laughs) I can't do it. I don't know who can. They just have thought of everything. Um, 
They have 360 degree gliding wheels, cushioned handles, yes. built in weight indicator, washable mm-hmm. bags for dirty clothes. Like it is a true dream. Right now, base B E. I-S, is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash best. Go to basetravel.com slash best for 15% off your first purchase. That's B-E-I-S travel.com slash best. Guys, I'm telling you, this weekender bag, she's my, she's my new best friend. <laughs> I love her so much. Kitsch, baby. They say that hair care is the new skincare. Do they? I don't know. But <laughs> there is one brand that's taken it to the next level. Guys, you know we love Kitsch. They have created game-changing essentials that beauty enthusiasts like me, like Casey, yes, like Bertie Silverstein, swear by satin pillowcases. Guess how many sound? Guess how many? I mean, this is not a joke. Guess how many? kitsch satin pillowcases birdie got as gifts for their birthday this year oh my god this is how much birdie loves them that everybody knows it i think five oh wow wow it was like yeah because they also do like really cute collabs like for the silk pillowcases like there was a bridgerton one and i think they did a stranger things collab yes a cool rainbow one yeah Yeah, the rainbow one the stranger things one loved it guys the time-saving towels i use in my hair daily yeah. I love that because I do so much to my hair chemically that I like to get as much water out of it so that styling takes a minimal amount of time and hence a minimal amount of heat. And so that towel is so helpful to me. I'm obsessed that it um, Kitsch was started in 2010 by a lady selling hair ties door to door. Yes. A, hus- a hustle and a dream, guys. Self-funded, female-founded, and now carried in over 20,000 retail locations. Which is why um, you already know the brand and you already know that you love Kitsch. Yes. You probably have something in your little caboodle right now from Kitsch. I love the satin eye mask as well. Satin yes. is vegan and cruelty-free. It's not like silk, which is not cruelty-free. It's like made... Well, silkworms, silkworms. got to make it. Anyway, but the satin pillowcases and the eye masks are so good for your hair and for your skin. They have the heatless satin curling rollers, which is amazing. And also just like the scrunchies and the hair ties that I use, especially when I work out so that I don't get breakage. Guys, if you don't know that... You need to know it now. Listen to me. You have to switch to the satin hair ties when you work out because otherwise it can pull too much and cause breakage and then nobody wants that. We're obsessed. Kitsch is offering you 30% off your entire order at mykitsch.com slash best. 30%. That's That's right. 30% off anything and everything at mykitsch. It's spelled M-Y-K-I-T-S-C-H dot com slash best best. One more time, guys. Go to mykitch.com slash best and you're going to get 30% off your order. But also on the help tip, Busy, I want to say that people 
hardly ever accept help. I'm just going to be honest. I know that it's something we all need to get better at because literally a friend will post on social media like, oh, I have to go into the hospital and get my eyeballs tightened and I don't have anyone to watch the kids. And I'm like, I'm free. I'll watch your kids. And they never, nobody has, I offer people help seven times a day and nobody ever takes me up on it unless it's like somebody who wants to do a Zoom about how to break into the business. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also like, also, by the way, I think sometimes people think that they have to be of a certain like level of closeness with someone in order to accept help. Yeah, that makes sense. Like they think that like, like a little bit like I understood why you didn't want to take up a friend of mine on their (laughs) offer of borrowing the car. But now that I hear that Ashley had offered her (laughs) car and she was like out of town, right? No, no. I mean, she's here, but she was just like, I'm not using my car. You can just take it. And my son like works for her. So, you know. Right. Like to me, that's like, I mean, that, yeah, that feels like. (laughs) It's for me. It's honestly, do you, if I could tell you how many cars have been rented, exchanged, dropped off, and like the weird, like uh, you know that what's that little game where where you have to move the cars around, like the little puzzle game that little kids play. Is it just called traffic or something? I don't know. I was thinking I of Frogger, but that's not <laughs> that it. too. But that's literally been the amount of like pick up this car, drop off this car, call about this car that our family has gone through in the past few months. And I just like I can't handle the the logistics beyond like, you know. So I think that's why I was like, oh, my car's coming back in five minutes. So I don't need to borrow anyone's car. It'll be fine. And then like boom audition for something, you know, like I didn't know I was going to have to drive to tape myself for an audition. But anyway, yeah, I, um, I am mad at Carvana. I'm mad at the insurance company that covers Carvana's repairs because it's behaving like a healthcare company in my opinion. And, but I love whoever asked me to audition for that show because, um, it was a super fun adventure and it was something super fun to think about and consider the possibility of and to try. So you turned it in yesterday. Are you going to hear anything or like, what's the deal? I don't know how this works like on, like, I mean, I know how it works for me at this point, but like, I don't know how it works in this way. I don't know. I don't know. I just sent it in. I'm curious. And um, I might never hear anything back or I might hear, oh, thanks for doing that, but not really. Or, you know, who knows? Um, but yeah, but it was it was really fun. I consider like, well, you're talking about like letting go and not holding on too tightly. I consider my part accomplished. You did it. I did what I, I did, did it. What I came to do. And uh, I'm not even thinking beyond that. I'm just super, um, I'm super excited that someone was like, oh, maybe she could do that. Of course you could do that. (laughs) Guys, this is again, this is like, you know, acting's not precious. You know what I mean? Well, but it is like, I mean, we've all seen local television commercials, you know, and, and sometimes it's a little, you know, It's a little stiff, a little reedy. I can always tell when someone is a good actor or not. (laughs) I can. I can tell within like, I can tell within two seconds of meeting someone just by talking to them if they're going to be a good actor or not. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. And I've I've like never been wrong. Interesting. (laughs) 
You've never been wrong. There's yeah. never somebody who's become super famous who you're like, oh, that is, you know. I will say that my husband did say something that made me laugh. Uh, he, I was like, you know, it's just a possibility that, like, I'm not cut out for this. And he was like, but look at how many bad actors are on television, <laughs> which made me laugh. <laughs> but I was like, I couldn't immediately think of anyone that I think is, like, a truly atrocious actor. So I must be watching high-quality shows. But then also our friend Janie was, like, texted me right before, and she was like, I'm watching this Dolly Parton documentary. And, you know, she never did any acting before 9 to 5. There's always a first time, you know? And so she just – she said all the perfect things because she's perfect and the best. So She's the best. She's the best. Um, Listen, that's what I'm saying. Like you are, you're, you do this like you're, and you have emotion. I don't know. It just doesn't, <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel to me like so far of a stretch. I realize yeah. it's like not a thing you've ever done before. Yeah. But to me, it feels like, yeah, of course Casey can act. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if they say you can act in our thing, but That'd be fun. I, I think that's like, you know, that's like hoping to be in the major leagues, you know, but that being said, who knows? Like maybe even if I don't get this part, maybe in a couple of weeks, I'll decide that I'm quitting everything and just going to try to be an actor full time. No, don't quit everything though. <laughs> you can't, that's actually, that's just not, that would be terrible advice. You can't quit everything. You have to keep like, you have, you have to keep doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's just, that's the that's the deal guys that's <laughs> so i'm just putting it out there it's something that i was willing to try uh and um you know if uh if you have something that you want me to act in get in touch with chunk and molly his name is jeff it's rude to call him chunk is it does he like mind it you know what's weird? Do when we know? he was, Have you when ever he was first my lawyer, somebody told me, you know, the person who recommended for him to be my lawyer was like, FYI, like in case, you know, in case you're wondering where you know him from, he was Chunk in the Goonies, but nobody really ever brings it up to him. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, you know, I'm like, Laverne and Shirley together. And so, like, the first time I ever talked to him, I was like, everybody knows your chunk from the Goonies, by the way. <laughs> he was like, oh, they do? And so I think, like, early on when he was when he was my lawyer, I convinced him to let me, like, say that I had just signed with him as my lawyer and that he was chunk in the Goonies because I was, like, told him that everybody would, like, make a big deal over, like, how great that was. And so mm. I think we like tweeted about it one time and everyone was like, he's so handsome now. Oh my God. He's so grown up. He's a powerful lawyer. Ah. Um, but I think he has always loved being Chunk from the Goonies. And uh, I don't think that he ever was precious about it. And um, I think he's still friends with everyone from the Goonies. Well, um, that's great. His best friend is... Uh, Key, you know, from the from the Goonies. He played Data, and he's in uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once now, right? Which I just watched last night. <gasps> you did? That's who that is. Yeah. It's the kid from the Goonies. Yeah. He's great. There's but also, then I looked it up, and it was supposed to be Jackie Chan. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, interesting. 
It's um, so weird to think of someone that you think of as a kid being like an adult taking these roles, you know? Like that, like I think of Jackie Chan as an adult and Key as a kid. Oh, that's funny. Right. I mean, I think Jackie Chan is older. Yeah, right? yeah, he is. He is. But it's just weird. At some point, we all just become adults and we're all in the adult bucket. <sighs> well, that's the truth. <laughs> some of us more adults than others, I would say. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So anyway, thank you to you, by the way, for you gave me good advice and you were so encouraging and uh, everybody was, everybody was. So it was really nice. And thank you, anonymous casting person who actually went to the trouble to find out that Jeff and Molly were my lawyers and to get in touch with them. I was like, I I was asking Molly, did they just send like a general, like, do you have any clients who are unemployed right now who might not have it? And they were like, no, they specifically asked for you to come and make this tape. So anyhow. I love it. <laughs> I love it. it Actually, I asked, one of the first things I asked Case was, who's the casting director? Because, you know, your girls yeah. basically you... been seen by them all. <laughs> yes. At one point or another in my life. Um, And the casting director of this thing, which I'm not going to say only because Casey's really trying to keep it on the DL. (laughs) The casting director, I was like, I love her, gave me one of my first jobs. One of my first jobs. Also, I've like auditioned literally since I was, auditioned for her since I was, yeah, like an actual child. So I love that. That's fun. Yeah. I love to hear nice things about her. And you know what? When the show does come out, I'm going to watch it and I'll, I'm going to talk about it because I'm already excited that the show exists, uh, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not I were to participate in it in any way. And, um, so then like whenever that episode airs that like I read lines from, then I'll tell people and then people can imagine what it would have been like if I did it. (laughs) Cause maybe that's funny and fun. I always think it's funny to know who could have been parts or who was supposed to. Like, I just literally just did it. Yeah. I said that it was supposed to be Jackie Chan in that part. Yeah. Um, It's always, well, you know, whenever you get to see like a screen test of someone that tested for like something iconic and you're like, oh my God, it would have been so different. Well, you know, like the famous screen test I did. That's hilarious and weird. What? What one? I screen tested for Bridesmaids as the Melissa McCarthy The Melissa part, McCarthy role, which yes. Which is just such a different, it would have, I mean, it's obviously such a different, insane, different, different take, yeah. my version of it. Yeah. Well, it was different. I was playing it like, I don't know if I've, I mean, I, I was playing it like um, Kristen Stewart was doing a lot of interviews in that moment. And yeah. He, it was like in a moment in her life that I feel like she was really uncomfortable talking in like as herself. Right, right. You remember like, and this is many years ago, guys. Yeah. I mean, I was like 29 maybe. Okay. I was like 29, 30 maybe. Yeah. Um, and so I liked the idea of like that kind of a person, like a person who's just like so deeply uncomfortable in their... Right. 
body and their skin all the time. And like talk interacting with other people and trying to and being forced into like a social situation. Like they right. have no choice about it, you know, but they're yeah. just like constantly just so awkward and saying like very bizarre things. And so yeah. I got I like went in, you know, just for the people and then I did the screen test like mix and match. <laughs> and was not in that number no. one movie of all time. But, you know, it was not it was not the part to propel me into the stratosphere as a comedic actress. But I am glad that it did it for someone. <laughs> when you when that happens, is there ever something that you went out for, went out for, or tried out for, auditioned for, and um, um, that you up still- Up for, was up for. That was you up were for. up for. Uh-huh. Was there ever anything that you were up for that you didn't get and you were kind of bummed out, but you still love, were able to like love the thing, love well, the show? Well, that's a perfect example. That bridesmaids. Because yeah. like- And her it, in it. It's, like yeah. it's just, it was Nobody so, else it's not comparable. It's right. like, yeah, I mean- I also did a, I also screen tested for Hustle and Flow. Okay. Um, with Terrence Howard. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that was Busy's a face. day of my life. That oh was a day God. of my life, guys. That was a fucking day. That was a day of oh my, my life. It was insane and <laughs> wild. Well, um, I mean, Terrence Howard famously uh, invented his own system of math. So he maybe, did. Maybe that sheds a little, li- yeah, a little light <sighs> on, you know, I think he doesn't believe in zeros or there was a time when he didn't believe that that zero existed in numbers or something like hmm. that. He's a he's an interesting guy. He was interesting in my um, experience and that audition for that thing. I've had like lots of crazy, but I actually never ended up seeing Hustle and Flow. Oh, okay. So you can't know if how you felt I about mean, who got I the feel role. like it was what's her name? Who then was on Orange is the New Black? Taryn? Taryn Manning? Yep. Taryn Manning, I believe, was who got the part. Oh, um, okay. All right. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like that all makes sense. Yeah. Like, okay. I don't know. I've never, it's it's interesting. I have yet to like lose a part in an audition case where I'm like so devastated and I like don't get it. You know, like, right, I'm just right. like, it should have been me. Right, Like, right. that's literally never happened. I mean, honestly, ever. Like... That's good. I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I just think so much of it is that you have to have the understanding, like I said earlier, that, like, the right jobs are your jobs and the right. ones that you don't get aren't yours. And, like, right. it's not... There's no point in spending like 10 minutes of your time right wasting it on comparing yourself because we know what do we know comparison kills comparison yes kills creativity yes and I think that if you get stuck in that rut as a 
performer, no matter what kind of stuff you do, but artistically, if you get stuck in that comparison game, then you get further and further away from the thing that makes you special. Yeah. One thing I will say that is interesting to me as like a writer, being a writer to me in many ways, and you tell me if you feel the same because you're also a writer, it feels like being an actor. Like I feel like inside, internally, you're acting out every part and you're like envisioning every way that something looks and feels and you're trying to like capture that in words and get it down. And it's so it's so interesting because like in my mind, I'm a fantastic, phenomenal actor, but it's just like anything like that where then getting like your mouth and your body and your face to do what you're seeing in your mind is like a whole different thing that that takes practice, you know, that takes a little bit of practice, but it's the same as like how when you play a guitar hero and you do really great at it, you feel like you're a guitar player and you're not at all. (laughs) I don't know if those things are comparable. Or like when you like are watching ice skating, like figure skating, like you can feel it, you know, you can feel it and you can envision yourself doing it. But then you like put on skates and you're like, oh, no, like I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to stand up, you know. Again, I'm like, I don't know about that. But do I just daydream a lot more than I don't know? No, no, no. It's not that. It's just like. I understand, as a writer, I understand what you're saying. And I think that, especially in television, that's where so much of, like, tension between actors and writers breeds. Yeah. Because the writers of shows, if they're not the performers of the shows, like, they tend to spend a great deal of time on their own, like, coming up with and thinking of things and then they have yeah they have in their head exactly how it should be done right and said and how it will work best because they've like examined every different way of how to do it how to do a certain thing and so then you get on set with an actor and an actor is like doing some other random ass thing and the writers are like why I've wor- I have worked with writers before on television <laughs> shows that like will come over and they'll be like yeah so I like all uh, that take of that line it's really funny I didn't hadn't thought of it in that way but I actually think uh, we should try it probably just more exactly like this right and they like give a line reading well they either will give a line reading or just say tell you what it should be more like or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally I have like gotten into things with writers before where I'm like, that's fine, but I just don't think that's the funniest version of it. Like I right. actually think you're going to get more because of X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. Right. And at the end of the day, like they don't fucking care. It's like, right. it's their show. Like they right. will. So they're like, oh, that's fine. You, yeah, you should totally try it that way. And like, in a way to me, which is also like, you know, learned. I'm always like, there's no fucking point for me to do it this way. Because if you're, because if you're just, you're going to, you're in the editing. I'm not fucking right. editing Hollywood, this show. Hollywood take, when you do multiple takes of something, the person who's going to go to the edit room is the one who chooses what take gets put in, in the end. And gen- and if it's, 
the writer slash showrunner of a show, it's that they get to be have the final edit, even right. more so than the director of a TV right. show. Right. So like, I don't know, whenever I get into like a conversation with a writer or showrunner on a television show and they have like a very specific idea of a line, even if I'm like, that doesn't really work for me and I wish we could, like, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me and I wish we could try it this way instead or change this word or whatever. And they'll always be like, yeah, 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 you should try it. And then let's just do one that's scripted. And then if <laughs> once they say, let's just do one that's scripted, I'm like, well, why'd you waste everyone's fucking time? I would have <laughs> just done the fucking script. If you had, like, if you weren't open to trying it, you know right. what I mean? Right. Like, whatever this is now it's now I'm just this is an acting podcast I'm sorry <laughs> this, this week just, I guess it is I guess this it is. is just about acting. I mean so many times like the performer like in a position as a writer you know and and I'm talking about like I have never worked on anything scripted like a sitcom um but like doing sketch or whatever like when when you're the writer and the performer that you're working with is so great they bring so much to it and you're so excited when and that's why like I love Paul F. Tompkins till the day I die because it would just, you could just do one line over and over a million different ways and they'd all be so funny and it would keep getting funnier and funnier and it would be, you'd be so spoiled for choice in the edit of what to take. And then also he had such respect for you as a writer that whenever you'd like throw something out, like, oh, maybe try this. Like, I, I'm just remembering... We were talk we were doing some sketch or whatever and that week like Tyra Banks on her talk show had said like she got really emotional and she said and you can all kiss my fat ass and she like slapped her ass. It was a very big moment. It was that's a big an, moment. That's an iconic moment. <laughs> it was a big moment. And so Paul was like talking about something like vehemently and so I was like in the next one, will you like say what you're gonna say and then slap your ass like Tyra? <laughs> and he was oh like, my God. he was like 100. percent And I think he like slapped his ass like 10 times, and it just got funnier and funnier every time. And I just remember that as like one of my fondest days of just almost blackout laughing. So it's, I mean, sometimes it can be really fun, but. I guess at the end of the day, you got to wrap it up and and get into the edit so that there is a show. So I I get both sides, but I do miss like just being on set and being like, let's let's do this. It's so fun. Let's keep going until it gets absurd. Yeah. And I mean, there's like also that, too. Right. Like when you're making a television show, like there has to be it shouldn't. It shouldn't just be business as usual like a fucking job that right you know like, like you should be able to have some creative fun and like you're not making license plates where you no, have to like it should be fun it should be fun you know right. but making tv especially i mean making all this shit is like such a business yeah and you're on such deadlines and like it, budgets and all of these things that it's like unless you're able to like call all the shots like i think about Danny McBride and like how he's able to um, do his shows. Like, you know, when I was on Vice Principals, like right. it was really just such an intent, like such an interesting experience because it was unlike anything I'd ever done before. Like he and uh, Jody Hill and David Gordon Green are given like a ton of creative freedom. Really? Right. To, like just... 
do what they want to do in the way that they want to do it. And I realized that what I need is like the Nathan. Okay, did you watch more of and like Nathan Fielder? I, I was thinking about Nathan it. Fielder too. Yeah, and I was not- like thinking about how much freedom he had. Although I have theories. You have theories? I do have theories. Yeah. Wait, I just want to... Busy's in the kitchen of Casa Kismet now. Well, guys, I needed water and I didn't want to stop. And I hate taking the pauses. It like bums me out. Yeah. But what I need is I need the thing that Nathan Fielder has, which is like that thing that he was wearing, like his iPad around or his computer around his neck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like a computer harness. So I need like a harness for my Zoom recorder, a harness for my computer, so I can like be mobile because I'm best when I'm just walking around, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. Gotta be on the fly. Sure. So we're talking about Nathan Fielder's show, The Rehearsal on The HBO, Rehearsal. Which did I did. watch it? I watched one episode, decided it wasn't for me, and then Busy was like, please watch more of it. So I watched the rest of it. Did you watch all of it? I did. <gasps> and? It's still not for me. It was. It just wasn't for me. I know so many people are. No, like, I know. It's the most no, brilliant thing it. I've ever seen. I don't know if it's that. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. This is what I'm saying to you. Like, <laughs> this is why I needed you to watch it. I want to. Ha- I wanted to have like a conversation about it because it is truly so fucking weird. Yeah. It's very and, weird. I'll say that. I can say that definitively. It's very weird. Well, how am I going to carry everything now? Oh, shoot. You, you, need a, you need a water harness. You need like a candy striper cart that you can push around your house. Wait, I have a little cart. <laughs> I do. Like one time when I worked at Broadway Video on a project, which is Lauren Michaels' company, they had like a a person who would come around in the afternoon with a cake cart and like be like, do you want some lemon cake? Do you want some chocolate cake? I mean, honestly, that's rude. Obviously. <laughs> I want all that fucking cake. What is wrong with you? Yes. Who would ever say no to cake at what? like Who's 3 in the afternoon? No? What are you talking about? 3 p.m. cake? Why do you Get even need out to- of here. Why do you even need to ask? I should have brushed my hair, but then I got that text from you. I was all confused great it looks very um cindy lopper girls just want to have fun it's in one giant knot (laughs) so (laughs) i don't know if that's what she does but (laughs) it's not great i I am gonna have to get my hair brush over here in a minute and try to do work on that as well see what get that knot out so anyway here's what i think about the rehearsal i think that it was like way more rehearsed than not Okay, so you think it was like I think all... that he knew the beats of what okay. he wanted the art. Oh my god, I did not just you... knock that whole water over. <gasps> it was a big one too. It's not on your computer, oh my god. is it? Hold on. Okay. Oh, thank God. Oh my god. Oh my god, you guys, why? <laughs> Trying to do too many things. You need always a cup with a top. Oh my god. It's Literally like a fucking waterfall. Yeah, because that was a big cup of water. It's so much water, Casey. I know. Because when, like, you get a bloody nose and it looks like you're bleeding out and it's only like a teaspoon of blood, like, you just 
you just spilled like a big gulp of water. It's a lot. Well, now I need to get more water. Hold on. <sighs> like a gallon of water? Like what? What? I mean. I mean, it was like a half gallon. It was like a quart. That was a fuck ton of water. That's <laughs> what it was. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, anyway, you don't know if Nathan Fielder is brilliant or what? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I just think it's interesting. No, what I was... what The thing that I was saying was that I think it was more rehearsed than they let on. I think they knew what they wanted the story points to be. Oh, I think okay. that they knew that they wanted someone for whom the rehearsal would stop being a rehearsal. Right. I don't know if... He, if they picked a fatherless child on purpose. Right. But that it was like, to me, it's like almost like if you're going to do that experiment, because he was like saying that he was, this is actually about acting. Like he was saying he was interested in actors, like how they, how they could act and like make emo like have it be real. And so he like, right. Came up with his method where right, right. you had to like essentially live as the person right. in order for it to be real. Guys, don't right. worry about me just brushing my hair out. Just right brushing now. that snaggly <sighs> hair out. And it's ASMR. It is ASMR actually. And then like for his own, if you haven't seen the show guys, I highly recommend, I think it's an interesting, I think it's interesting as a person who like has spent their life largely as an actor, as a performer. And like, I think the idea of what is real and like what is real emotion and how you access real emotion and like, I don't know. I just think it's, I thought it was like a very interesting thing. Like the first one I didn't think was as indicative of what the entire show was. I thought that first episode was a little bit of like a mislead kind of. Okay. Be, or, or just like setting up the idea of what the rehearsal is like what a right. you know like what a rehearsal is right for people do you know what i'm saying right right cuz then the rest of it really was just the show that he was you know yeah. like the so, rehearsal he was participating in we should maybe back up and even explain a little bit what the rehearsal is nathan fielder is like this comedian what kind of comedian would you say he is like a like he does like psychological experiments which i think are kind of like that's like um a fancy way of saying pranks he does pranks kind of i feel like um but you know they're they're like experiments where he sort of... Um, He's an experimental comic. An experimental comic. And so the premise of the rehearsal is that he's going to help people rehearse for things that they wish they're doing in real life. So the first um, episode is 
uh, this man has been dishonest with people in his trivia group because they're all highly educated, and he wants to come clean to them that he hasn't exactly been honest about his educational background. He feels guilty about it. And so, you know, these are people that, like, and he particularly wants to tell this one woman that is his, like, trivia team member. And so then where it gets absurd and, like, which I do think is, like, brilliant is that Nathan Fielder, like, uh, recreates the pub in which this guy is going to tell his trivia teammate that Did he's... you ever watch the movie that Michelle was in at Schenectady, Schenectady New York? Yes. Schenectady? Schenectady. Schenectady, New York. Yes, it's like that. It's also, like, aspects of um, Search Party where uh, Cola Scola's character, like, recreates... Um, the apartment that the girl lives in. So anyway, yeah, so it's kind of like that. And that's where I think it is brilliant. Like, I think it's so cool to see, like, just this entire pub replicated. And then Nathan brings in an actor to portray the woman. She studied the woman, and she, you know, has a good idea. So she's going to be, like, a scene partner to this guy to practice how this conversation is really going to go. And then Nathan's there to, like, coach um, through it. And I felt okay with that. I felt, I, I feel like that's fine and, and you know. But then is it the very next episode where the woman wants to rehearse being a parent? Yeah. So really to me, it's the, that's like, that was always the goal of the whole show. Is this okay. whole, is the whole thing. Okay. Like, I think they knew, like, I think going into it, yeah, he and his writers knew that that was the main arc of the show of the series, okay. and for and for Nathan to be participatory as the dad. Okay, I I think that that was like always the plan. I didn't get that feeling. I thought it was just going to be self-contained with the woman. This woman's single. She wants to um, be see what it's like practice being a parent. She wants to rehearse being a parent, but she still doesn't have a man in her life. And so Nathan is like, well, you know, sometimes there are single parents and uh, so we can do the experiment with just you being the parent. But then along the way, she has a date with a guy and sort of brings him in to... Well, no, but she's also saying that she doesn't, that's not how she envisions it. She doesn't right. she want wants to be a, a single parent. Because she's she wants, very religious. Yeah, she's, she's like very born Christian, again kind of. Born again Christian, uh, maybe even fundamentalist Christian, possibly. It, it was, she was intense. It was intense. And uh, then she brings in this guy that she meets on a date and asks him if he would like to participate in the experiment with, her and so like it's really elaborate like they set them up in a house and see these are all good jokes like I think they were good jokes like for TV like that they you know there's laws on how long children can work as actors and so to make it as realistic as possible for the subjects who were rehearsing parenthood they were coming in through the window and switching out babies in their crib and then at 8 o'clock at night they would put a robot baby because babies aren't allowed to work overnight and so so all of that I thought was like really interesting and like you know high production value but I really I got the feeling that 
they had a bunch of separate episodes planned and realized they bit off way more than they could, not way more than they could chew, but they got way more than they bargained for and then just spun it into this thing. Like, I don't disagree that maybe, you know, maybe they meant to have it go the way that it did, but for the fact that it be- that story was basically the remainder of the episodes for the season seemed strange to me. But that's why I'm saying I think it was always the plan. Maybe, maybe. Because I don't think, I think, I don't even think it's like they realized the rehearsal to set up a person (laughs) to try, like, rehearsing being a parent, which obviously, guys, is, we all know. Ridiculous. Fucking insane and ludicrous. Ludicrous. Right. Although if it worked, it would be. But, like, it was always going to, like, Nathan always had to be involved in the like somehow they had to get the the show wouldn't have worked right if if he he was just the puppet master on a bunch of different things you don't care there's no thread you're not you don't care about anything this is like the next step of Nathan for you as far as I was concerned like which was his first show where I think that they realized or he realized like he had to put himself into it he had to become a part of right the thing otherwise it like sort of is like a, a who cares you know what I right, mean right, and it might yeah. be a who cares for many people anyway yeah but I thought it was super interesting and it got renewed for a second season and lots of people were talking about it and I think that the like I think that who the actors were versus like who were real people right was probably like the information was probably only given to us what they like what they want what the producers right, and like what, what Nathan us wanted to us to know yeah yeah and yeah. like how much like everybody was freaking out about the actress who was coming in to play the woman who is the fake mom of the kid in that right, episode right. So that when she was could fantastic rehear- right yeah so Nathan, so Nathan could, could rehearse-, rehearse how he was going to deal with this woman yeah and like she was incredible, but like I also, and I am, I think that it's possible that she was, they were, it was improved, but I also think it's possible that line suggestions were given in the prep for the improv. Oh, 100%. Because I yeah. think that, and again, like clever, I don't know if it's for me, but she was saying a lot of things that I'm sure Nathan Fielder has gotten as criticisms of what he's doing. 100%. Like right. you're exactly. like, I'm the joke. Am I the joke? Right? Am I the joke? Because that is the criticism of him is that he takes these real people and uses exposes them exposes like, them uses their weirdness and you know and then it becomes a question of like is this ethical like is this ethical to do to people because they're like consenting to it right but i think that people need to like as far as like these things go this is my feeling about it i'm not kidding yeah like hidden camera shit is one thing yeah these are people that actively have seeked out being on a television show right they have sought out sought they have sought out being on a tv show and like whatever it's like sort of like the thing that we were saying about you know culturally like this is where we're at right right but it doesn't change the fact like if you're a person who decides that you want to expose yourself in that way right 
like to me, I'm a little bit like shrug emoji. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if it like, unless there's something like <laughs> deeply, I don't know. Like unless like, but that's why on the, all those reality shows on all well, those, look at housewives, they, like everybody gets a turn to be the villain. And like, these are like, these are people that I worked with for years and they're real people, you know, and the amount of savviness between them, I can honestly say like varies. Like, I think a lot of people understand it for the entertainment it is. And then other people, I think they don't understand it as they're living it all the time. Do they do like psych evals on housewives? Do you know about that part of it? I don't know about that part of it, but I can't imagine. I had a friend, I had a friend who like got it to the end of casting for a show. And yeah. I can't remember what show it was at this point, but a reality thing. And they have like extensive psych evals. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I mean, it's a big company. I mean, you know, I told you that I basically got a psych evaluation for a job that I was up for with. Oh, yeah, you did. A company, uh, a company that was within that larger company that Bravo belongs to. So I can't imagine that they don't look into some history, but I don't know. Well, right, because you would think like, I guess we're. I guess where it like fails, right, is in this case, like they're literally like there are children. Right. And like how much consent. This is like a question that people I've gotten into, like a discussion with people about like even posting my kids online or like how much consent can a child actually have? Yeah, because they're using real children in this because they're talking about because a child is a child. Right. And And their parent has to consent on their behalf. Right. And so even if, and so then you have to like hope that a parent has their kid's best interests. Right. Which I think you, I would give parents the benefit of the doubt, you know, in many ways, but like there's just a, a very different thing between like the child actor from LA right and the little kid who like ended up being like sort of like one of imp- the focal imprinting points on yeah on Nathan yeah i mean well hollywood break i want to talk a little bit about and this is like i've nobody's ever worked on a show like the rehearsal like it's unique there's there's nothing else really like it um and i haven't worked in reality television necessarily but i have worked in the talk show space which is unscripted so what i will say Hollywood break. When you ask someone to come on your show and like play a game or do like a bit or whatever that's unscripted, they have to sign a release consenting to being on that show. Or oftentimes, if it's a big group of people, sometimes they just have to pass by a sign that says you're waiving your rights. You're saying it's okay to be on this show. So if you walk by this sign, you're giving your consent. When someone like talks or whatever, you have them sign a release, and that's really important. And a lot of times, producers know on a lot of shows, 
you get that release before they do anything. Because everybody wants to be on a TV show. That's so much fun. Who wouldn't want to be on a TV show? And, you know, so you get them to sign that release and, you know, you're just banging it out. It's part of the job. And then what happens sometimes is somebody tapes their thing and it doesn't go the way that they had envisioned it when they were signing their name for themselves or for their kid. And then they're like, fuck, what do I do? I already signed the release. There's nothing. Or sometimes the person does it. They think it went great. And then they see it on TV and it's been edited in such a way to make it look like a way that. Well, you know my story about me being on the Osbournes. (laughs) <laughs> My one and only reality appearance of all time. Repeat I it. Repeat Have it. Have I ever been on a reality show in the time that we've known each other? Other I than- don't think so, but one time my son called me to tell me that I was on the Kardashians. You he were? Was- yeah, because Kim Kardashian came on Watch What Happens Live, uh-uh. and I guess I was just like, my son was like, I'm... This is weird to admit, but I watch the Kardashians. This is something you didn't know about me. And I'm watching, and you're, like, on the episode that I'm watching right now. And I was like, holy shit, I didn't even know that. But I had had to have signed a release. Or or walked by the sign. Yeah, I was going to say, or, like, in that instance, like, with the they're coming to your show. Right. It probably was, like, a blanket. Maybe it's, like, all part of the deal. Yeah. So everybody consents in a way. Jing. I like that one. I do too. Guys, let's just be honest. You get bored of the food that you're making in your kitchen. I and mean, it's like chicken in the air fryer and yeah. vegetables. You're eating the same but thing you're making for Gina. Listen, listen, it's time to spice it up. Like fly by Jing sauces are my go to. I love it. Anything simple that you make suddenly becomes like a gourmet offering when you top it with fly by jing you can put it on watermelon i put some on watermelon last week oh you did how was it delicious insanely delicious i've had it on vanilla ice cream the sichuan chili crisp and it's i mean it's amazing it's an seems like an unusual pairing also tastes like they were born to be together. I also think that the trio of sauces that you get in the little, like you can get like the trio of sauces. The triple the Sich- threat. Yeah, the triple threat. The Sichuan chili crisp, the Zong sauce, and the mala spice mix. Yes. It's a great housewarming present. I'm just going to say it. I gave it I to agree. someone recently for a housewarming present. Yeah, so they smart. were thrilled. Yeah. Because also when you move into a new house, like generally speaking, you like dump your sauces before yeah, you Yeah. You, you don't bring your you don't bring mm-hmm. your sauces to a second location. No. And I, honestly, I would I would bring my chili crisp to a second second and third location if I if need be. And yeah. it might need be. We don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, it's also, of course, you know, a female founded company. Yes. We love it. Uh Jing. Gao founded the company in 2018, inspired by the amazing flavors of her hometown, Chengdu, and its famous fly restaurants, soulful, hole-in-the-wall eateries. So good, they attract diners like flies. (laughs) Um, I am obsessed with everything in their line. All of the ingredients in the sauces, 100% vegan, all-natural, non-GMO. So... Are you ready to step up your game and elevate your favorite recipes? Why don't you try Fly by Jing? Because 
you're going to get 15% off your entire order at flybyjing.com slash busy or use code busy at checkout. That's flybyjing, F-L-Y-B-Y-J-I-N-G.com slash busy for 15% off your first order. You can also find Flyby Jing in over 2,500 locations across the country, including Costco, Whole Foods, Target, and Wegmans, but then we don't get credit. Thank you, Flyby Jing. We love you so much. We love you. AG1. <laughs> Our next partner has a product that we use literally every day. We started taking Athletic Greens because, for me, honestly, it just seemed easier than opening a million and six supplement bottles. Vitamins. One yeah, scoop. I, okay, that wasn't exactly what mine was. I was like, interested by the gut health claims. Right. You know, I just want better gut health and I want like a more optimized immune system. And I also like things that taste good. Yeah. So anyway, AG1 has been with us for a while. I'm obsessed. It's one delicious scoop of athletic greens. You get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and aging. Basically everything, everything. You mix it in water, drink it in the morning, you put it in a smoothie, sure, why not? That's what I do. I mean, I have legit just done water a lot. It's so easy. It's easy. It, no, I mean, like, tastes good. Yeah. And yeah. it's cheaper than getting all those supplements yourself. It's also, guys, keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. They've got you covered. Less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, which is great because I am, like, one of those people. I'm very sensitive to, like, artificial flavors and it makes me like, I can't, like, I can't. You just don't need it. No, I don't want it. I don't need it. (laughs) And uh, I mean, what we do need is most of us are at the point where we need to be taking a multivitamin every day. Um, Those don't always agree with me so well, if I'm being honest. And so these ingredients are easy for me to take and they absorb well. And I'm just a happy, good feeling girl. Guys, listen, right now, it's time to join the thousands and thousands and thousands of people. By the way, Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews, truly, who love AG1. Reclaim your health. Arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy on you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash busy. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash busy to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Go get your AG1 on. Okay. So wait, wait. So the Osbournes, so 
you know, I have the distinction, I think, of being the only actor who has worked with both Jack and Kelly Osborne. Wow. As okay. actors on yeah. different shows. Sure. So I don't remember why, but it was the Osbournes was like the biggest show of all time at the moment. And I was on Dawson's Creek and I think it was the last season of the show. This all this is tracking. <laughs> and uh they cast Jack Osborne. Yeah. To be my character, Audrey's friend from back home, because I was supposed to be from, like, fancy L.A. Yeah. And uh, like around when I was going rehab, Audrey was going into rehab. Okay. <laughs> yes. I um, remember. And in real life, I was drinking a lot. Um, you were method acting. I'm basically Nathan Fielder. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love the Fielder method. But anyway, um, and so the Osbournes was coming to film while Jack was on here doing his big acting job in North Carolina for Dawson's Creek. And I remember the producers like coming, like the line producer coming around being like, so here's the deal. They're going to have this like reality crew. Like you have to sign the form in order to like, you, you have to sign the consent thing, the form. It's like really standard, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Fully just did it. Yeah. Josh Jackson's like, I'm not fucking signing that. No way. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. Katie's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to. Uh, same, James, same, Michelle. No one signed it except for me. Oh, my God. And I was just like, guys, you're good. You're all so, like, stuck up. Like, who cares? Like, it's going to be fine. Like, in my head. I didn't say yeah. this to them. yeah. But I was just like, oh, you're so precious. Yeah, you're such real actors. You know what I mean? Like such an asshole because I was kind of an asshole at the time. <laughs> and but also like I did feel you thought right you were being a about team player. It. I thought I was just being a team player. And I was like, the producers came and asked me to do our producers came yeah. and asked me to do it. Also, it's like, how bad could it be? I watched the Osborne's. It's huge. So then he comes to set lovely we had the best time i like really like if i see him to this day i'm like so excited to see jack yeah he's great cut to the episode comes out jack makes his acting debut i'm the only cast member that they can show right <laughs> and they make it look like he is on set it's actually funny now in retrospect but i was horrified at the time they make it look like on set that he's like trying to like talk to me and ask me questions. And they just cut to like random shots of me like spacing off. <laughs> like just B-roll that they took of me, I guess, right. when I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention, obviously, because there's like cameras everywhere all the time. Right. Where I'm just like looking off or like kind of like rolling my eyes or just like looking bored because you, there's lots of also time on sets where you're just looking bored right. while you're waiting. And so it just looks like he's asking me questions and I'm not answering and I just look bored, which is obvious, like not at all. Anyone who's been on set with me for 10 minutes will tell you right. that I love to talk <laughs> and answer any questions. And like, anyway, it just was so, and it's just real fast. It was like, like a little tiny bit. In but the, like you were saying about Nathan, they had a beat that they wanted to hit and it was that Jack yeah, was Jack's the outsider and he's that awkward one. Yeah, of course. And they just made me look like a fucking bitch. Like it was great. <laughs> I, I was like, 
Guys, that is so unfair. But the, di- yeah, the difference is, is that you weren't playing a character, but they used you like a character. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, exactly. And so that's a little bit like, you know, what some people are saying, oh, Nathan Fielder is exploring that. And other people are saying he's exploiting that. And so, you know, it, it is, it's really interesting. I think where it got weird for me was the kids because the parents were, like, consenting on their behalves. And also, I think, like, you know, not to give too much away or whatever. So this is a spoiler maybe a little bit. So if you want to watch the show and you haven't yet, um, skip over this part. But I feel like if you're a single mom and you are have a little kid and they're adorable and you're thinking of like putting them in some shoe commercials and then a big HBO show comes knocking and your kid's going to work for some days and get paid and you can put that money away maybe for college or maybe you need it. I think it's really, that's where consent gets a little, you know, I mean, I've mostly worked in entertainment, but I have a lot of friends that have worked in like the talk show, like the one hour, one topic, like talk show space where, you know, people come on and you're not the father or whatever. And people have told me like how they sometimes convince people to come on the show. And it's like, you know, oh, you need some dental work done. We can get that done for you. And then you'll come, you know, like it's kind of wild sometimes. And I'm not saying that that's how everyone does it, but I am saying like that's sometimes how people do it. And you already signed the fucking thing and you're getting a plane ticket and you're, you know, in some cases, well, th- this was in these people's hometown. So, you know, but it's intoxicating a little bit. And you see like, oh, this kid's going to get a check and, you know, and I think it was probably more than some people bargained for. Well, but this is what I'm saying. Like, I think... I think it was, like, all mapped out. Maybe. When you cast shows... Okay, Casey, you and I do know this. Yeah. From, like, doing casting bits, and you know this from, like, all of your work that you've done. Yeah. But when you when you do a casting for anything, like, reality-based, you talk to the people. Yeah, that's true. What's the story? What's... So, oh, so that's fun. And where's his dad? Oh, Okay. Right. And so, oh, so you've, okay, so there's no doubt in the picture. That is like a clear, I mean, I would be so shocked if the casting and producers like didn't know already going into it. Right. That that little kid didn't have a dad. If what you're saying is true, then I think it's maybe Care, real fucked it's up more right? careless and bordering on more unethical than i would have even said for me well personally. that i like this is these are the questions i have right like i think that the idea of the show like in his head was like i need to like here are the things that people say to me about nathan for you right right like i don't put myself in there so i don't look like the idiot ever right, right? like right. i'm never the joke right right Right. So I have to put myself in there and I have to have <clears throat> an experience with someone where it stops being a rehearsal right. and it starts being super emotional, like super real. Right. 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 I'm not saying that like even maybe in its like inception when you're just like talking about it theoretically as a show. Yeah. That they had 
malintent or like they wanted to fuck with a little kid. They just probably knew. They didn't, they didn't. I don't think they knew it was going to be that kid. They didn't foresee. Yeah. Yeah. I think they just knew that there was, that they were trying to set things up in a way that it was possible. To get the ending that. To get the ending that they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be the ending that he wanted was to like actually feel something. Right. 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 And if I'm be- if I'm being honest, I do think it's super fucking manipulative to like use children in that way. However, I'm also just gonna say this: I don't think any kids should be actors ever. Right, right. And because that is what fucking acting is, it's manipulation. Right. There are just so many crazy stories of like kid actors, no wonder they're like all get fucked up. It's not just because like you get used to like the applause all the time. Like who you was also it? get told you suck or you don't look good or or you get told that your dog died when you right. have to cry in a scene. Yeah. I mean, who who was they that? They used to tell uh Shirley Temple that they used to tell Shirley Temple terrible things and I think they also used to tell Judy Garland like that she couldn't eat. You know, oh, well, yeah, for sure. That's why she was addicted to pills. Yeah. But no, but I mean, they also like, by the way, Casey, I was you told too. I can't yeah, eat, I was you know, say. let's be, that's, that's par for the course. I think they used to tell Shirley Temple fairly manipulative things so that she would cry. I think it's, who was the one that started, who was the little kid? She's the daughter of a famous person who starred in like Paper Moon. Oh, Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill. I think that they told Tatum O'Neill that her dog died. Oh my god! That they had to that their dog, her dog, had been hit by a car and died for that scene where she cries. Um, oh my gosh! But so this is like all of this. I'm saying all of this just because I find it all like the 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 line between like psychology and acting. Yeah. And is is real thin. It's a real thin line, you right. know? And the manipulation that happens with all kinds of actors all right. the time right. is huge. You know, I went on an audition once for a huge director. And the audition was simply, like, to talk about the most traumatic thing that had ever happened to you. And it was for a huge director for a God. huge movie. And it was to tell tell him the story of the most traumatic thing that had ever happened to you. How and fucked then is that? It's like, what is this at this point? <clears throat> exactly. Which is kind of how I felt about the the show overall. The Even rehearsal. though I know people right. really loved it. I was like, what is it at this point? Like, this person's just, like, amassing all of this power and influence of these people that are, like, swayed to participate because they think it's going to be a positive thing. And I don't – I'm not sure that anyone comes out of it looking so positive. <laughs> I think that actress did. Yes, she was amazing. She she was amazing. And I also love the trivia guy. I thought he was sweet. And, you know, everyone else I was terrified of, I also, including Nathan Fielder. I also thought the actor in the Fielder method who was the smoothie bowl guy. Yes, yeah. I think he came off great. Yeah, he did too. And, like, some of the kid actors were great, you know. that The other little kid actor. Yeah, yeah. and the older kid act. Yeah. It oh, was, my God, that teenager kid? Yeah, so great. Yeah. He was incredible. That yeah. kid's a star. Yeah. So that's good, I guess, that it, like, hopefully kicked off the acting career of many people. But I guess my I, question is, if they... 
if they knowingly cast that six-year-old who didn't have a dad IRL. Yeah. Not like, of course, they couldn't know what was going to happen. Right. But they picked him because there was a chance that it could. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's interesting. Listen, I know so many people really, really loved it. And I know so many people are like, if you didn't love it, it's because you don't get it. And I'm like, well, I think I'm pretty smart. And I think that I get things. It just wasn't for me. It just wasn't. I don't know that I'll be repeating the Nathan Fielder experience in season two, but I probably will because probably everybody will say how brilliant it was and how, you know, how different it was from the last one. And curiosity will get the better of me in the end and I'll watch it and then it'll get another season. But anyhow, but did you ever read the why my unpublished YA novel? Did I ever give it to you? (laughs) I wrote a YA novel that's it's kind of like dystopian, but it's based on the premise that um, child acting is outlawed and they make synthetic child like artificial intelligence actors using special effects. But they become so realistic that they are basically children in the end so it's about it's a journey following a synthetic child actor that escapes from the hollywood system but But that's like ai i know kind of that that crazy movie yes yes that you think ends like five times and then and it's like 47 hours long yeah um but anyway it's uh it's unpublished um i don't think it's going to be published maybe i'll put it on the sub stack I was about to say it. <laughs> free free YA novel on the Substack. Why not? Why the fuck not? Do it chapter <laughs> by chapter. Release that shit. Release that Do shit. Do it. Do it. Subscribers only. <laughs> um, I actually think you really should. I think that's fantastic. A fantastic idea. I got to read it again because it wasn't published because I had like a two book deal and this would have been the second book in the deal um, was because they were like, it's kind of dystopian and we're over dystopian novels. But I feel like dystopia just keeps happening, you know, so. Wow. But the it's good news dystopian. is, you know, my loss might be Substack's gain. Or our subscribers' gain. <laughs> I think it's I think it's our subscribers' gain. I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't know. It's all interesting. Yeah, it's all interesting. But I'll be interested to hear what other people think of it because you know I'm just particularly sensitive to I'm sensitive to kids and I'm sensitive to like people uh, to feeling like. This person's not in an okay frame of mind to say okay to this, you know? I mean, like the guy, that guy. Yeah. That guy was like, wait, did you see the tweet I sent you about his brother? Yes. (laughs) Was like, that's exactly how my brother really is. Wait, but I think like he has brain damage. It feels like he has brain damage. I don't know what was up with that guy, but I also don't feel like I would feel okay taking a yes, I consent to this. Like, Like, he was, you know, he was unusual and quirky, and I guess that's kind of funny, but then in some ways he was, like, a little, you know, a little upsetting. 
Yeah. Because I mean, it, didn't, very, it didn't it didn't seem upsetting. like he, he had a hold on reality, you know. But you know what I think? Um we've talked about this too much. Yeah. I mean, God God love anyone who's stuck with this and you don't know who Nathan Fielder is or you uh have no interest in this show. Um, but anyway, it's all anyone's talking about on Twitter. I just feel like he gets away with it, maybe because he's Canadian. Here's the last thing I'll say about it is that you know what it kind of gave me the vibes of, and I love these. You know, you guys know that I love a scammer documentary. And I love a, a filmic recreation of a scammer. Um, so, you know, so I love a limited series about a scammer lady in particular. But then I love a documentary, like, unraveling, you know, like, the Tinder swindler or whatever. I feel like on some level to me, and I'm not – but I feel like this is almost like watching a semi-scripted, semi-documentary where the scammer is actually in it this, as the star and, like, the the boss of it. Like, it feels like the same kind of vibes to me. Yeah. And then you can say, well, oh, it's a social experiment and, like, it's enlightening and it's there's lots to analyze and, you know, and I'm like, mm, I don't, is there? I don't know. For me, I just feel like I, I analyzed it pretty quickly and I'm just like, oh, it just felt like bad vibes to me. <laughs> well. <laughs> but it is interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It tells you, I think it tells you a lot about yourself. And I, I mean, I think it reaffirmed something that I know about myself, which is like, I don't find stress entertaining. I don't find stress entertaining at all. No. But I do find acting interesting. Yes, and I yeah. find like the process by which people access emotions, yes. like super interesting. I think and that I find, is, And yeah. I find people... And I find people who are sort of devoid of connection and emotion yeah. with others very interesting. And I yeah, wonder, yeah. like, for them, because that's what he seems like to me, a person yeah. who has a really hard time connecting with others. That makes sense. Um, that all makes and sense. So, and if like, I could have uh, bared the stress better, I probably would have been able to, like, enjoy those parts more. But that makes so much sense for why you were, like, intrigued by it. Yeah, I just had so many questions and I wanted yeah. to know like more about how they did it. And then the other thing that was like a super bummer as far as I was concerned was that even though like his attempt to put himself in it was like I think to answer the criticism that he, you know, exploits others for right. his comedy, he didn't reveal anything about himself or his own life or his own feelings right or like you know the fact that he was divorced or the thing that like he like sort of vaguely says in passing like the thing that his mom says about his passivity to like avoid um confrontation right and like how that's been a pattern for him in relationships but he doesn't right. go into like what relationships or why he got divorced or right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just think for somebody who's like asking of others, like 
to participate to the fullest. Right. He like did not hold himself to the same standard. Right. And so for me, it's a no dog. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but like, just, but just for me, like that's where yeah, you wanted more. Of that's that. where, that's where as the creator of it, I think he failed his own project okay, because he was unwilling to actually be as participatory as he was asking others to be. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, interesting. Maybe season two, maybe he'll, that note will get back to him. I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm Tack Avail to play his ex-wife <laughs> if that's what needs to happen. If I don't needs- know who she, she's, I think she's like just a normie. She's a normal person. <laughs> I think he was Is- married to like a normal person in LA. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I don't know. Does he date now? See, like, these are the things like he we wouldn't, to he know. didn't say yeah. any of those things. Right. But he was like, he wanted to expose so much of other people. Other people. And then he was sort of vaguely talking about, like, I've always wondered what it's like to be a father. Like, right. Okay, sure. Yeah. Everyone has. Sure, dude. <laughs> it's like, there's a way that, like, people who don't want to be emotionally vulnerable, like, there are, like, tricks that they learn, you know? Well, to like stand off to the side and analyze everyone else and observe and, you know, like a, like an alien, maybe who knows? Like we picture aliens observe our behavior. Did you hear that black hole? Oh, the noise from the black hole. To the noise from the black mm-hmm. hole. Yeah. Did yeah. it freak you out? No. Why would it freak <laughs> me out? I don't know. Some people get freaked out by stuff like that. How come? Um, because the universe is infinite and ever expanding and, um, yeah, we know this, we don't know what's out there. We're on a slow march towards death, babe. Um, (laughs) Mark and I sold, um, the place upstate that we had. Yeah. Cause we had to sell it. Have I mentioned that I have some issues right now (laughs) (laughs) with money? Um, and I've like felt mostly okay about it. Like it just is like, it has to happen. Yeah. It just yeah. is what it is. Like I really loved the house. Yeah. But because we ended up staying in the city, like we didn't put any work into the house and it wasn't really like that usable for us. Right. So we never even really went there that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we sold it really quickly, but we had had a bunch of stuff like sort of taken there, a co- like whatever, whenever we got it, like a couple of years ago. Yeah. And yeah, like two years ago. And so we had to go up there to like, cause it's going to be done, you know, soon. Thank God. Um, and go through some stuff kind of, and like decide if there was stuff that we wanted to like, I don't know, like uh, just in this whole process, like the idea of putting more like fucking junk into storage and like right. paying for it to be stored when I'm like, can we just get rid of everything? Cut you know loose. what I mean? Yeah. Cut it loose. Um, but then it's, it's, we went up there 
Well, two things. First of all, literally Mark and I are driving up there. We've left the kids with a babysitter for the day and get a call from <clears throat> one Miss Cricket Silverstein. She's like, hey, so we're trying to go out. Um, the, Did you guys take the keys, all the keys? And I look at Mark and I was like, fuck. Like we both just took our house keys. We didn't oh. leave the babysitter any fucking house keys. Right. And I was like... And then I was like, hold on, well, I'll, let me call Blake and see if he can make it into the city and the, 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 so you guys can leave the house. I don't want you to be stuck in the house all day. I want you to get out. Uh, and Blake didn't answer. And then we were talking. I was like, we have a spare, we have a spare keys. I know we do. So we call Greg back and she's on speakerphone. And I'm like, okay, so the babysitter was like with Birdie in another part of the house or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so look in that thing and like, there should be like keys, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, I'm looking. I don't see anything. Also, I don't really know what keys look like. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark and I started dying. I was like, cricket, you are a true unicorn. Yeah, and also, I kind of don't know what keys really look like. <laughs> what, can I just ask one question? Why of all the people in the house at that moment was, was she the one look- spearheading? <laughs> spearheading I think, the keys because I think she was spearheading the like let's get out of the fucking yeah, house, yeah, yeah. journey. Oh and my god! So then we did get the babysitter involved in the search because I texted yeah. the babysitter, and then. They found the keys. <laughs> but just the idea that, like, you know, I talk so frequently about how, you know, like, I feel like we were talking to Birdie about, like, the most complex things at age nine. Yeah. You know, like, Birdie just knew, like, it all. <laughs> we just... And Cricket is like, I literally, you guys literally have never shown me keys. <laughs> I am so the second child that like, I couldn't identify house keys if they came up and slapped me in the face, guys. What are you doing? You have to teach me more things. We are entering a keyless, cashless society. You know, I don't, my, my kids, my house in Connecticut didn't have keys. Our house here doesn't have keys. Oh my God, I stayed at a house in LA. (gasps) That was so cool. They had this whole system and it was keyless and it was the best. Yeah. I mean, it's Um, great not to have to worry about keys, not to have to find them. But poor Crix is like, she's stuck between two worlds, you know, until we become fully keyless. She needs to know what keys look like. She is stuck between two worlds. That's a really good point. (laughs) Anyway, so then we went up and we uh, tried to like figure out what the fuck we were doing with this shit. And then I kind of just got like overwhelmed. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to just you do it <laughs> <laughs> to Mark. I was just like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and ha- did he? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> The people that bought that house might just end up with all of my shit, which I guess happened the last time too. So 
That's true. That's true. I didn't I didn't love that. So maybe I should be a little bit more participatory. No, I think I think he's I think he's figuring it out. Like I I don't know. It's hard. I, I was like I, I had the thought to like call Eli and be like, Can you can you get here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure by he our would. closing date. Yeah, I'm and sure sell he would. this shit. Sometimes it's really, you know, sometimes it's helpful in things like that because I've had that situation before. Sometimes it's so helpful just to have someone like text you pictures and be like, yes or no, thumbs up or thumbs down. That's all yes, you have I've to say. I've had that person before. I currently yeah. owe that person a ton of fucking money that I right, can't pay so them yeah. for the last time that that happened. Right, right, right. But I'm saying like that's a thing Mark could do for you or Eli could fly out and do that for you and just say thumbs up or thumbs down and you know and then separate it into two piles just so you don't have to like because sometimes when you're physically there with something I feel like it starts to but how do you know if it sparks joy if you can't hold it yeah I mean it's not that it's like it's like so much of it is it's just so fucking it's just uh I'm just a person with so much shit yeah I just have so much shit and then I have to be honest, I think I sent too much shit away for my Poshmark sale. I'm like regretting it already. <laughs> I am, Casey, you I have am. No I'm like No, I have uh, too many clothes, but I but I'm like where were those boots? Like where is this thing? I think I sent it all fucking away. Like I think I was in a moment. I feel like I've been in a fucking fugue state for like Years. Like, I feel like I don't even know what. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. It's hard. But here's a couple things that I want to tell you is that I'm really proud of you for doing what you had to do and selling that house so that you could get yourself a little bit back on track and out of this hole that I know has been weighing on you. And then also, like, maybe, I don't know, this, and tell me to shut the fuck up if this isn't helpful to you, but, like, maybe try to honor the person that you were in the moment when you decided to, like, let go of some boots or whatever, because it's hard, right? Because I think you are a joyful person, and I think you connect so much emotionally to things. And I also think that you reach out for things when you need things, but sometimes the things aren't the things that you need, but then they hold like this emotional place in your heart and this space in your life. And you love them. (laughs) No, but it could be, it could be anything. It could be like a rug that you bought when you were feeling a certain way and you weren't getting what you needed out of life, but you could get a fucking rug you know? And so you did that. And so it's a special rug to you because like it was there for you. It was fucking there for you when you needed it. And so now you might not need it in the same way. You actually might need it to be gone away. Mm 
or you might need to exchange it for the value that it's worth because you need that money. But it's hard then, right? Because it's like been a player almost in your life. So it's a little bit different than just does this spark joy or not for you? You know, that's why I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Sometimes people like offer me things. And this is one way in which I think I am helpful to people. Sometimes people are like, oh, do you want this chair? Or do you want like my copper pot collection or whatever. I don't want a fucking copper pot collection, but sometimes I feel like a person needs to get it out of their life and they need to pass it on. And so I will do them the favor of accepting it graciously and saying like, I love this. And like, either I'll put it away or I'll find someone who, but I think like sometimes it's just easier. Like if I just take it, like, I'll just, this person's never asking for their copper pot collection back. You know what I mean? Like they just need it out of their life. And so I think that's kind of what you might be going through. Did I tell you about trying to sell my wedding ring? No. That (laughs) That was a disaster. What (laughs) happened? Just, I was just like, I don't know. Like I was so conflicted about it anyway, because I like have always loved my engagement ring so much. And like... It's an antique and like, it's fucking gorgeous, whatever. And, but then I was like, but we really could use the money. And Mark was like, I don't fucking care. It's up to you. Like do what, you know, he's like, I'm, it's okay. Like, yeah, if we can like, let's let it go. Like, let it go. And then I was like, yeah, karmically, I think maybe that's like better too. Like, I think we should like, you know? Yeah. And so... And so I like looked into it and I went to this like very reputable person that I know who's like appraises and does, you know, whatever. It doesn't even matter. And like, and this place is like, they're in the wedding ring game and they do, and they do antiques and vintage as well. And like, so not just new diamonds, whatever. And she like told me what it, what I would get, like what they could offer me for it, you know? And while I was like, I guess I could use that amount of money in this moment. I was also just like, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it to me. Like I, it's worth so much more to be able to like give it to Birdie if Birdie wants it, you know? Right. Or I was going to say, maybe you could get a piece of jewelry made for each of your kids out of it. Yeah. I mean... Birdie's kind of always called dibs on that <laughs> ring. And I feel like I am lucky enough that I've been close friends with a jewelry designer and I yeah. have really beautiful, some really beautiful things. Yeah. So I feel like my kids are going to be fine with jewelry. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just I don't, more for I actually, like sentimental But reasons. it's not even that like, I know, but it's not even that because like to me, part of why that ring is so beautiful is it's Edwardian. Right. And it's from 1910. And I just right. feel like I want it to stay intact. Stay how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Got like it. I don't want to like break it down and destroy it. Got like, it. Got it. Even if that's like metaphorically what we should be <laughs> doing with it. Like I get like we can, can we just talk about the metaphor of it and like just agree that that's what it, it we're doing. marriage is patriarchal and and that this, we're and yeah. that we like and that Mark and my marriage is over and yeah. we can break it down and it's like turned into something new. Great guys. Yeah. Love the metaphor. Can we keep the Edwardian <laughs> ring intact? I just Got think it. it's beautiful. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would fucking love it if my children never wanted to get married and like Bertie wore that 
ring on their middle finger to right. like flip me off all the time. Do you know right, what I mean? Right, like that yeah. would bring me joy. Yeah. Um, but, but so anyway, so, so, like, it's not so I was just it. like, yeah, no, I'll just, I'm, I'm, I got it. I'm just going to come take it back. <laughs> I don't, don't want to sell it. Right. But I don't know. It's just like, it's weird. Like it, it's just the, you know, it's not just stuff. Like it's right. Like it's like your whole, whole life, like my whole life in things. I see my whole life in things. Yeah. Like I see my whole life in props and wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the fucking acting of it all. Yeah. But I do like, and that's the attachments. Yeah. The attachments of things like really do have, there are emotional attachments for me. Yeah. Um, They're like very real. Yeah. Anyway, some things I don't like. I don't give a fuck about the couch from Restoration Hardware. Who cares? You know, like, <laughs> but bye. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. And so those are easy calls to make, but then there's harder calls and I get it. Yeah. And also just like, I don't know. It's just been, it's just hard because I just feel like I have been, it, I, it, things have been so much better for me than for so many people in the last two years. And it's been almost fucking impossible emotionally do you know yeah I get that and so it's just a fucking hard time like I am trying to I have not been kind to myself recently like at all I haven't been kind to myself and so I am my friend Jesse Gainsley what's up Jesse is in town from LA and she does like she's the woman who in LA would do my like closet styling for me, you know, and like would yeah. put together, she would put together outfits for me. And in New York, RG's kind of done it. Kiki's friend. Yeah. But Jesse was coming to town and she was like, Oh my God, I'm coming to town to work for this person. Like I'm free. Can I come over and like make some outfits for you or whatever? And I was like, Jesse, I love you. I like really can't afford that. And like, I love you. And she was like, are you kidding? I would just like love to do it. And so she's there today at the other place, place putting yeah. the kid's house, the other house, putting <laughs> together like some looks for me or she was there earlier today. And she was just like, it's so funny. Like you built this closet. It just looks like almost like a mini version of your closet in LA. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. No, I know. It's fucking a thing. <laughs> Recreating. It's like a rehearsal. It's the yes, rehearsal. You the I'm recreating. I'm yourself. recreating. I re I'm rehearsing myself. <laughs> I'm rehearsing. Rehearse. Rehearsing. Wait, rehearsing. I'm rehearsing myself. <laughs> Am I rehearsing myself? I mean, kind of, or like you're, it's more like you're simulating a past situation because maybe you weren't fully ready to let go of the past situation. Yeah, no shit. I share a house with my ex-husband. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? <laughs> um, uh, that's more, I mean, honestly, honestly, to me, it speaks more about real estate in New York than anything, but. Um, I mean, everywhere. <clears throat> I know what the fuck, dude. 
It's Let's, supposed can to be, we work on making housing affordable? Is that a thing? Supposed to be settling down. And yeah, I think that would be really great to make housing affordable so that, you know, people can afford to Well, also maybe if people didn't have to worry about like healthcare paying for their own insurance. Um right. you know, sending their children to private schools because the school system is in fucking disrepair if right. they can put their money to that instead. Buying you know what I'm saying? Buying a used car from a non-trustworthy company. Buying a used car. Wait, by the way, FYI, guess whose lease is up? Yours? Yeah, my lease is up. Mm. And so I've been looking at cars because I'm going to get a car because, you yeah, know, you I'm need a car. Yeah. move back to LA eventually. <laughs> Remember when I was like, I think I'm just going to live in New York for the rest of my life. I that mean, was... you're, you know Did what? Did anyone believe it? You're whimsical in the best sense of the word. Yeah, of course we believed it. You're a great actor. Eh. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm like literally fine. Oh my goodness. I feel like I could be great, maybe, but you know, hasn't happened yet. Well, that's where it's complicated, right? I feel like I'm a great writer, but do I get the opportunity to do that in public professionally as much as I would like? Not always. So, you know, but we do... Substack! <laughs> we do Substack posts. And... Uh, I mean, yeah. really, you do most of them at this point. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of people doing things, we have an amazing guest today who is someone you introduced me to. She's doing the most currently in this moment, right now, today. Yeah. She's Dr. Annie Andrews is a pediatrician who works at the Children's Hospital in Charleston. She is running for Congress in the first district in South Carolina. And I met her when I was in Charleston last uh, because... I attended a thing with a bunch of people who were like, how do we get more involved in reproductive rights? Abortion might be outlawed in this state. How can we make our voices louder? And she was at that meeting. <clears throat> She's a mother of three. She did not plan on a life in politics. She's <laughs> a doctor, a pediatrician. Plenty on her plate. And I just thought her story was really inspiring. And I think that maybe somebody listening could be similarly inspired to take a huge leap of faith by hearing what Dr. Annie has to say. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Guys, I love that sound. <laughs> we use Shopify when we yeah. sell our merch. Our store is powered by Shopify. Shopify is incredible. It gives entrepreneurs the resource that was once reserved for big business. Upstarts, startups, people who are like, I have an idea. I want to make a thing. I want to sell a thing. You can sell everywhere. You can synchronize online and in-person sales. You can effortlessly stay informed. Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. 
More than a store, Shopify grows with you. You can gain insights as you grow your business with detailed reporting of conversion rates and profit margins, etc. It instantly lets you accept all major payment methods. There's thousands of integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to accounting to advanced chatbots and beyond. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Listen, go to shopify.com slash herbest, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash herbest right now. Shopify.com slash her best. Helix, Helix sleep. We love you. We love you. Guys, I, I love my Helix mattress so much. I can't. Yeah, I love sleep. And uh, I wasn't getting great sleep before I s- switched to a new Helix mattress. Okay. So have you guys done it yet? We've been talking about it, Have you done it for so long. I actually am curious. Guys, I'm curious. Will you write in to us and let us know if you made the switch to a Helix mattress? Because we've been talking about he- Helix is another longtime friend of the show, sponsor of us, and sponsor of our sleep, to be honest. <laughs> They've now been sponsoring Good Night Sleep for me and Casey for the last almost two years, I believe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They've yeah. been sponsoring our sleep. And here's the thing. I think people forget like about mattresses and about getting new ones. You forget. You forget that like. You're due for a new mattress. Yeah. It's been like 10 years or whatever. You know, (laughs) you're just like, ugh. I wake up four times in the middle of the night. Well, that's not. Oh, that's just the way I am. I'm just a person that wakes up a lot at night. It's not a thing that we have to accept and live with. No. No. You can go to a mattress store all you want and lie down on a bunch of different mattresses. I mean, if that's your kink, like I'm not going to stop you from it. But nothing tells you how you're going to feel sleeping on a mattress like sleeping on a mattress. Over time. And Helix knows that. And that's why they offer a 100-night risk-free trial. You take this quiz, right? It's like two minutes, maybe. And also, who doesn't love a quiz? I know you're on BuzzFeed every day. (laughs) They will tell you what your perfect mattress is in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Then you get that mattress for a 100-night risk-free trial. And if you decide you don't love it, it's not the best fit, you get to return it for a full refund. Everyone is unique. Everyone sleeps differently. Helix knows that. They have different models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side or more responsive foam to cradle your body if you're like a stomach sleeper or back sleeper and cooling features to keep you from overheating if you're a hot sleeper. They got mattresses for big and tall people, and you get to try it all out for 100 nights. That's longer than some celebrity marriages last. That's true. Listen, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash best. With Helix, better sleep 
starts now. Dr. Annie. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. How's it going? It's good. It's good. It's busy. What's happening? Tell me everything. I, well, so yesterday I had this crazy busy day of like getting the kids off to school because we just started school last week. And then I had campaign stuff all day. I had to speak at a rally last night and then I had to go work in the hospital last night. And I am not 25 anymore. So when I work in the hospital at night, I'm very tired the next day. I can't even imagine. I mean, I, it looked hard on yeah. Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I can't imagine what it's like in it real is, life. Um, you know, it's not as glamorous in real life, but it is very exhausting. Like I finally got home around midnight and then I woke up, I got paged around 3.30. And so then it's like, I'm up answering this phone call and then I couldn't fall back asleep because again, I'm not 25 anymore. And so I just felt so tired when I woke up this morning. Well, okay. So let's back it up. Let's explain to everybody, A, how you and I met and B... What's happening? What's happening in your state, state of South Carolina? Um, what's happening in your race? You are running for office, but you're a, a pediatrician, right? That is correct. Yes, I've been a pediatrician at the Children's Hospital here in Charleston since 2009. And uh, what, because we get like a lot of people, we've been talking about this um, on our podcast a lot. Um encouraging women to run for office, even if they're like, well, I don't, I'm not really, I don't do that. I don't really do that. I do other things. <laughs> um, what was your, as Oprah would say, aha moment where you were like, I'm running for office. So it was a series of moments, but I love that you're encouraging women to run for office because we always feel like we need to be experts in something before we do it, or we need someone's permission or invitation to do something. And we do not. We need to just step up and do it. I have no training in political science, never in a million years thought I would run for office, but as a mom and a pediatrician, just fed up with our leaders, not prioritizing our kids. And the issue that got me really involved here in South Carolina was gun violence. So when the Parkland shooting happened, my oldest daughter was in kindergarten, and I remember the way I felt dropping her off at school that week after that shooting. And I felt incredibly vulnerable and angry and frustrated that I knew my senators here in South Carolina were not going to do anything. And so that was my moment where I realized, like, the way I'm feeling means I need to do something more than just, like, vote every election. And so I started testifying at, you know, in Columbia at the South Carolina State House. I started, you know, I joined Moms Demand Action, which is just an incredible grassroots gun violence prevention organization. Shannon Watts is one of my heroes. I learned so much from these women in this organization here in Charleston about how to show up, how to be an effective advocate and activist, realize the value of my voice, just even just as a mom, you know, um, moms, it's like that mama bear energy, that pissed off mom energy that is unlike anything else. And I think once we realize we have that, we can be unstoppable. So it just kind of built on itself. And you and I are very familiar with the woman I'm running against, Representative Nancy Mace. And it is easy to find motivation to continue running when you're running against someone like that. And um, so you're running for Congress in South Carolina, um, opposite a person who's 
I mean, is she, does she identify as like a Trump, Trumpian? She's like a, so she's she a Trump has, Republican. Yes. Yeah, so, a Trump Republican. <laughs> should, they should call them Trump Republicans. Trump Republican. <laughs> So Nancy Mace has a very complex history with Donald Trump. She worked on his 2016 presidential campaign. She has many pictures online of her standing next to Donald Trump. Um, Interestingly, um, she got fired from his campaign. So there's some beef between the two of them. So he endorsed someone else in her primary. And then she is famous for then flying up to New York City and filming a selfie video in front of Trump Tower, explaining to everyone why, even though Trump picked someone else, she's still Trumpy enough to win. Oh, God, Um, have some dignity, Nancy. Yes. (laughs) It it, it was... Um, oh God, that's hilarious. Yes, but I mean, um, her, her voting record is, you know, incredibly extreme. Not moderate. She is a Trump publican, Trump Republican, Trump publican, Trump publican. <laughs> Did we make that up? Because I feel like we should just start putting it in practice. Trump publican. <laughs> I mean, let's say we did. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um. So. What does it look like? What does it feel like? You are in what I think most of us know is a fairly red state, by and large. Um, And how's it been going? Because it's only, it's like three months left, right? Yeah, it's like... 70 some days left. It has been a a whirlwind. Like, as I said, I haven't done anything like this before. It's been like drinking from a fire hose, learning how all this works, thinking about things as a politician or, you know, a candidate rather than as just a mom and a pediatrician, but it's going well. I mean, we've had, when we launched the campaign back in November, our launch video went viral on Twitter. We had all this attention, I think, because people were like, wow, she seems like a normal person who actually (laughs) wants to like help people. And it's just so crazy to like vacillate between these two worlds of politics and my life as a doctor at the hospital. Because when I walk into the hospital, like I did last night, it's like, Everyone there is there to help people. Everyone there is working together in a team to do whatever we can to help the sick patient in front of us. And then in politics, it's like everyone's just there to point fingers at each other, to play the blame game, to score points. Like no one's actually trying to solve the problems. It's all about like the political one-upmanship. And it's just like we need more of those problem solvers in Washington. So the race is going well. I mean, it's an uphill battle. Like you said, I am in deep red South Carolina, but this is a swing district. This is a district that a Democrat won in 2018 by one point and then lost by one point in 2020 wow. with that Trump wave. And so it's very winnable. Nancy Mace is very vulnerable. When people hear her voting record, they're like, holy crap, how is that the woman who's representing this moderate district? Um, so it's, I mean, it's going well. I feel very hopeful when Roe fell, everything changed. You know, I think we talked about this before, but like the average age of attendee at my campaign events plummeted, like all of a sudden, all these young women were showing up at these campaign events. They'd come up to me and they would say, I've never been to anything like this before, but here I am. I brought a friend. We want to figure out what we can do to make this better. And so that gives me so much hope for what can happen, even in a state like South Carolina this November. Well, that gives me hope, I have to say. And you have been involved with Vote Mama. They've been supporting you. And I I talked about them a little bit on the podcast because I've become involved with their organization and what their kind of mission statement and goal is, which is really that like, let's be real, everybody listening. 
I mean, moms are the ones that get everything done. So obviously, sorry, Casey, what you made that face like. No, no, you're right. You're right. But moms, moms are the people that make the world fucking work. So it's weird that only 7% of uh, politicians are mothers. Yeah. That seems crazy. Yeah. Like, hell hath no fury, like a mother f- mad. <laughs> concerned about the future of their children, you know? And like, I just feel like the whole goal of Vote Mama is to support uh, moms such as yourself who are fed up and are like, I can do, I can do this. I'm definitely way smarter than those guys. (laughs) Well, I mean, look at Dr. Annie. Like we always talk about pivots on the podcast. Dr. Annie's a mom and a pediatrician working in hospitals. And then she's also going to do this on top of everything. Like, I bet you also get a lot of laundry done and run errands too. <laughs> that seems... I do. Yeah. I, so, you know, well, you're just one of those people. It seems like, like, what a pivot to decide to do this. And you're just one of those people that it seems like, you know... You just, course, you just can. Right. Like, of moms course can. you can. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Vote Mama is an incredible organization. Like you said, they're doing exactly what we need right now, which is when people like me decide to, like, take this huge leap of faith and this huge pivot. Like, I needed an organization like that to be like, yes, we need you. We want to help you. We want to support you. Because when Vote Mama came to me and they told me those statistics about the percentage of Congress that are like parents of children under the age of 18 or moms of children, like it is shocking. And of course, that's why we have no action on things like voting rights and climate change and women's rights, because like they don't have the urgency. These like, no offense, but all these grandpas up there making our laws do not feel the sense of urgency that moms who are dropping their kids off at school every day feel. That is it. That's fucking everything. The grandpas making the laws are like, Let's talk about taxes and airplanes we can spend our billion dollars on for the military. They're like legit. Not It's not at the forefront of their minds that like their kids could be killed going to school every day or that their teens, you know, who are either non-binary or trans, like are at a higher risk of suicide and need supportive care. Like they don't even, it doesn't even register for these guys. Never mind like early childhood development, education, maternal, uh, you know, care, the maternal mortality rate, like all of the maternity leave, paid paternity leave or maternity leave. They don't, like there's... 78 years old. Of course, they could be fathers again. And some of them, I'm sure, probably have fathered children at that age. But uh, it is. It's like, I, I mean, I just want, I, I think, Dr. Annie, I'm, I'm really excited. I want, I really wanted you on the podcast because I really want you to win, obviously. But um, I also find you just, even if, even if worst case scenario, Nancy Mace, who I swear to God, you guys, I just need you to, maybe we'll put a picture on our Substack or something. If you Google the two of them, I was telling Annie this, I'm like, this is a Marvel movie. <laughs> and Dr. And Doctor Annie Andrews is literally like Supergirl. You know what I mean? And she's yeah. like played by Brie Larson. Yeah. And Nancy Mace is like 
pure evil. And she's like, play, I swear to God, you have to see her face. She literally looks like, you know, when Ursula turns into the evil princess um, in The Little Mermaid, you know, to try uh, to like yeah, mess yeah. with Ariel. Yeah. Guys, this is, am I, no, I'm I mixing know. my metaphors. But what, regardless, <laughs> like she looks like, she literally looks like a super villain. <laughs> like she would be like played by Angelina Jolie or something in one of these movies. Yeah. She's so severe looking with this like dark hair and like evil eyes. <laughs> anyway, I and just feel like records. Dr. But, Annie but, can't say any of this, but I, we can say all of it. Right. And her voting record speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, right. And I know that we don't, Casey and I always are like, we don't comment on people's appearances, but like truly it, it's like comical to me how like you can't, you couldn't even write it. You well, know what I mean? It's she's like, it's like off a vibe. You she's know? giving off a vibe. It's not about, she's, I mean, I guess objectively speaking, you know, in terms of like, if you wanted to talk, like she's physically, I guess, pretty, but she looks yes. literally evil. Yeah. Like anyway, um, that's not even what I was really on about. <laughs> what I really wanted to say was that I just feel like, um, I feel like you, your story is so inspiring and I just know there is, someone or some ones listening right now who are going to think, why not me? Like maybe yeah. I can do this too. And maybe I should be doing this. So let's project that you're going to win. Yes. What, then what, then what happens? Seriously. So then, yeah. So then I, um, I'll resign my job at the hospital. Members of Congress don't have other jobs. I will, you know, um, commute to Washington, D.C. My family will stay here in Charleston. And this is the difference between someone like me going up there and someone like Nancy Mace, who her whole life has been built around building this career in politics. So her primary goal is to get reelected or to figure out a way to run for the next thing, like Senate or something. My primary goal is to actually like help the people who live in Charleston, South Carolina, and to solve problems. So when you go up there knowing all you care about is getting reelected, then you have to do whatever your party says. You know, you have to say the extreme thing that your party's telling you to say. Otherwise, you're going to be vulnerable in your primary election. You can't vote your conscience, no matter what your conscience is. But let's give her the benefit of the doubt and think, and maybe she doesn't think everyone should have an assault rifle, or maybe she doesn't think women should go back to the kitchen in the 1950s, but she's going to vote the way her party tells her to, because all she cares about is getting reelected. What I will do is what I do as a doctor every day, which is assess the problem, talk to the patient, the family, talk to the constituents, understand the data and make a decision that's based on evidence and data and what's best for the majority of people in my district. So like, I'm going to go and solve problems is what I'm going to do. I mean, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, how old are your kids again? My my kids are 10 and as of this weekend, 10, 8, and 5. Three Ten, kids, everyone. Eight and five. Three kids deserves, I don't know, like a round of applause. <laughs> um <clears throat> I'm just going to say a couple of vote mama statistics for people out there um, because I think it's important um, th to note that moms in Congress write more bills than other lawmakers and their legislation is focused on health care, child care, education, reproductive rights, affordable housing for families and gun control. All things that we all need every day, all of yet, us. 
Yet only 7% of Congress members are moms of children 18 and under. Um, it's critical. I, I like want more moms to run for things because I think exactly what you said. Um, you know what your agenda is and you know that you want to keep families and kids and future generations safe and uh, have their rights remain intact. Um, do you get pushback from your constituents about things like gun control, about abortion and reproductive rights? Or are people now post row realizing that they may be fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so that's the thing, like the majority of Americans want common sense gun laws passed. There was just a new study that's like circulating on Twitter today that shows, you know, 80% of Americans or something, including Republicans and gun owners want common sense gun laws, like universal background checks. Of course, we should make sure someone doesn't have significant mental illness or a criminal record before we sell them an assault rifle. That is a majority of Or domestic violence, charges of domestic violence. Let's be real. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That position and the position that Roe should have been upheld and that women deserve access to abortion services, those are majority positions, even in my district here in South Carolina. So honestly, when I'm talking to constituents, they're just glad I'm up there fighting for what they want. Of course, the extreme side of the Republican Party is going to say that I'm a gun-grabbing, baby-killing liberal. But if that's the best they can come up with to attack a mom and a pediatrician who just wants like fewer kids to be shot every year than like have at it because I'm ready to have that conversation. She's ready. Guys. She's ready to have that. Conversation. She's ready to have the conversation. And I feel like a lot of us are ready to have that conversation. You know, I think that any amount of that idea that we have to like be civil in our engagement with others uh, in regards to political ideations has sort of fallen to the wayside and by the way not because of us <laughs> right <laughs> right like you know it's like the game really changed in the last few years well I and think what we realized is it's absurd like so many of us I recently had this situation with a friend who was like I think blah 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 and Polite. Wait, no, you got to tell what did they think? What did they think? I don't I don't even want to say because I don't I, be, because it was like within the, you know, it was within like liberal ideas or whatever. And I was like polite old me would have been like, okay, and bitten my tongue, but then the me of now was like that person just didn't care whether or not I would agree or disagree with what they were saying. They just said what they thought. So then I replied just saying what I thought. And he was so shocked. He was shocked. He almost fell off his chair that I didn't believe the exact same thing that he had informed me that I should believe. And uh, it was really weird. And we haven't really <laughs> talked since then. But, you know, but that's where politeness gets you is just somebody unloading all of their opinions on you when you have valid, thoughtful opinions that might not be 100% in agreement. So I'm very grateful to you, Dr. Annie, for saying that you're ready to have the conversation and for keeping the conversation going in a deeply red state, as you said. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, I think a perfect example of that is my testimony on Wednesday in Colombia about this archaic, draconian, total abortion ban that they're considering in my state, thanks to Nancy Mace's cronies in Columbia. And I was sitting there listening to all the testimony, which by the way, was like 80% pastors, white male pastors at the Senate Medical Affairs Committee meeting. And I was sitting there reading what I had pre-written thinking, oh, is this a little too like scathing? Is this a little too impolite. And then I was like, what am I asking myself? Like they're trying to take away my rights and the rights of every woman in this state. I don't, I don't owe them my politeness. And that gets us nowhere, as you said. So I just let it rip. And I think it was really powerful. It was really powerful. I posted it. I reposted it on my (laughs) And and good for you too, by the way, because who is getting the call at three o'clock in the morning to actually protect children and keep them healthy and safe. You, Dr. Annie, who is going into the hospital every day actually caring for children? You know, I mean, just the hypocrisy is astounding, but I have to stop being astounded by it, I guess. Well, I think that what's interesting is we can be astounded and also take action. Yes. I just think we have to be able to do both, you know, and if you're not a person who like, for instance, me, I'm not going (laughs) to run for office, guys, although I have like a fucking bee in my bonnet to just take Kristen Sinema the fuck down, (laughs) move back to Arizona and run. I just want her gone. I hate her so much. I'll be like, bitch, you're not the only one who can wear weird outfits (laughs) to vote, except I'm going to vote. For the good things. Thumbs up. Like her fucking thumbs. I hate. Oh, my God. She is so. Anyway, (laughs) um, Dr. Annie, you have already committed your life to service. You know, you're a doc. You're a pediatrician. You work at Children's Hospital. You are in service of others that you don't know every day of your job. Some people have that thing inside of them where they just know that's like a mission Um, and so in a way, transferring the transference of that mission to public service makes so much sense to me, but some people are like, oh yeah, no, I can't speak in public. I'm not, no, 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 no. So let's talk about what everyone else can do to support you and people like you around the country who are running. What's the number one thing you need? Let's just start there. Okay. Um, the number one thing I need is donations to my campaign. I mean, <laughs> money. Yeah, I need my. I mean, so I need people to know about me, and people like you have these incredible platforms can be so effective at boosting people like me who are trying to do this thing, like run for Congress. So my website is dranniandrews.com. I need people to check that out. I need people to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at annieandrewsmd. There we go. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I. And I need I need people to support organizations like Vote Mama who support candidates like me. So I think you're exactly right that everybody needs to find their comfort zone. But to push back a little bit, like I am an introvert. I do not enjoy public speaking. I do not enjoy walking into a room and having to like work the room and chit chat and have small talk with everybody. And that is like 90% of what I do right now. Um, And I have found a way to be comfortable in those spaces and be comfortable doing those things because we can do hard things. And, you know, this is the, that's the wrong podcast. That's a different podcast. (laughs) 
That's Glennon. Listen, I want to put you in touch with her, but that's just we we say our saying is more like we think we can do hard things, question mark, but we're probably gonna cry doing them. We're probably gonna be crying. It's there's gonna be a lot of crying while we're doing them. We're just doing our best. No, I'm kidding. We I'm think kidding. We, no, we, of course we can do hard things. Love Glennon. <laughs> this is like the starter podcast, right? Like yes, exactly. 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 Yeah. Until you're but, strong enough to move on to to actual hard things. Hard things. <laughs> With until you're ready for the period. We can do hard things. We can do yeah. hard things. Until then it's just a question mark. But yes, yeah. you're you're in a period you're in a total we can do hard things, period. Period. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But so, so people just, and like people need to find their local candidates that they want to support and they need to show up at those candidates events and they need to sign up to volunteer to text bank and phone bank and tell their friends and share on social media. Like there's so many ways people can get involved. I found my sort of path by joining Moms Demand Action, which is one example of just a powerhouse organization that is. Yeah. We had Shannon on our, on our show too. Amazing. She's amazing. And like. That that organization has catapulted so many women into running for office. I mean, I think there's 120 women running for office who are Moms Demand Action volunteers, including me this November. And because those organizations teach women like me, like how to navigate these spaces and give us the confidence to feel comfortable in these rooms that are predominantly, you know, white men in business. And, you know, we should be in those spaces. Our kids need us in those spaces. So when I feel, when I start to have this self-doubt and wonder, am I good enough? Am I ready for this? I look at my kids that are my motivation to do this every day. And then I read this phrase in an article um, called knowledge. The the phrase is knowledge over confidence. And I love that because so many people operating in state capitals in Washington, D.C. suffer from knowledge over confidence. Like they are overconfident about their knowledge. And that like describes. I thought that it was like the saying was like, I thought that it meant like you need to have knowledge overconfidence. Like you don't, you, it would be better to have knowledge than it is to have <laughs> right. confidence. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? No. Okay. I know exactly my what brain. you're saying. That's knowledge my is more important than confidence. Yes. But all these people that are overconfident in their knowledge, yes. like these men making these laws who don't know how many weeks a pregnancy is, or don't know that like the placenta actually attaches to the woman. Like, and these are the people writing laws about abortion across this country. And these people have no idea how ignorant they are and it's because they're arrogant and ignorant at the same time and, and we need people knowledge over confidence yes knowledge yes. over confidence got it <laughs> got you guys that's really funny that i was like confidence <laughs> over knowledge they have confidence over knowledge uh, well that's true uh, as well that's true as well um this is a thing that dr annie i feel like you are learning on the fly you know, like you're you're saying that it's been like a fire hose of information for you. How did you get started? Like, what was the first step? Did you know right away what office you wanted to go for? Or did you consider uh, different positions or? So, I mean, my story is a little bit unique in that, like, I knew that this was a seat that Democrat won in 2018, and I was waiting for someone to step up and run against Nancy Mace, and no one was doing it. And so I knew that this was a seat that needed a well-qualified Democratic candidate. And so I immediately, like, zeroed in on this seat, and I started talking to a couple of folks who had run for state-level office in my community, and they told me who sort of the political strategists were I needed to talk to. And so I just made a series of phone calls 
and ended up in the right person's office who now manages my campaign and, you know, really kind of showed me the way. So I'm not doing it all on my own. Of course, I have a team of people around me. Um, and, you know, I think people also need to understand that obviously like going from nothing to Congress is a big step. And there's a lot of other offices you can run for like school boards, city councils, town councils. There are so many elected officials in every community and we need moms and women stepping up to run for office at all levels. And so just ask the questions and just make the phone call and show up and do it because you are likely way more qualified than the person who is currently holding that seat. I'm so glad you brought up a couple things. Uh, We've all been seeing videos of the local school board uh, council meetings lately and um, the banning books. So really wild things are happening, banning books and um, banning use of the word trans in schools and just all of these things that are just, it's wild. Like this is where it's happening. It's happening in your town, in your neighborhoods. And people are coming from all around to make their wild opinions heard in places where they don't even live. So we definitely need people to step up on that local level. School boards is like such a great place to start. That's the most important. That's where kids' minds are taken care of and their bodies are also taken care of. And, uh, And a lot of them are falling down on the job. And so I'm so happy that you mentioned running for school board. And also, I'm glad that you mentioned that you saw that Nancy Mace didn't have opposition because I think so many of these people that are just radical, radically conservative Republicans are running unopposed. Like, at least get in there and give them a run for their money. That's what we need to do. At least start some other challenge it, start some other conversation because there's strength in numbers. And so, if you're willing to challenge someone who's running unopposed, then that's really courageous. And I think it will encourage other people to be courageous and say, Hey, I think that too. And hopefully, they'll throw in with you and support your campaign, which is what I hope is happening in South Carolina for you, Dr. Annie. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. I feel I feel like women in my community have totally rallied around me and busy. You saw some of that when we met. So um, nice. It's just, yes, it's really incredible. I feel I feel so supported by the women in my community. And I think your point about not letting people run unopposed is so important because we have to hold these people accountable for the positions they're taking, the extreme things they're saying on social media, the bullying of children that is happening on the right, their voting records. And if no one is running against these Republicans, no one is holding them accountable to those things. So the goal of every campaign is to win, but we're not going to win every campaign. And there are secondary benefits to people running in these races. They're organizing like for me, I'm organizing this like badass army of progressive women in my community behind my campaign. Of course, the goal is to win. But even if that doesn't happen in November, all these women have been activated and organized around my campaign. And that is really powerful. And that will carry over to so much other great stuff in the future. And like um, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, once you started volunteering with Moms Demand, you started testifying um, in Columbia in special sessions about gun violence and gun control. And then you also just testified um, about the 
insane abortion ban that uh, South Carolina is considering. Although they just did have a slight win last week. We had a slight win in South Carolina. The Supreme Court, the South Carolina Supreme Supreme Court Court put like a pause on our very extreme six-week abortion ban that went into effect essentially as soon as Roe fell. Our six-week abortion ban that Nancy Mace helped to write and voted for went into effect. And then last week, literally while we were sitting in the Senate Medical Affairs Committee room, the Supreme Court came out with that decision that there's a pause on that. So now we kind of go back to our old laws while they figure out what is constitutional and what is not constitutional in the state. And what were the old laws? It was a lot of trap laws, right? Targeted. Yes. Yes. I mean, it was relatively restrictive, but you know, I have one of my very best friends works in the fetal care center where she counsels pregnant women who receive devastating fetal diagnoses about their options and whether they're going to carry those babies to term and knowing that the baby can't survive outside the uterus or if they're going to choose to abort the pregnancy. And when the six-week abortion ban went into effect, they could no longer offer those options to these women. So these women who like last week had options, all of a sudden had no options anymore. And so now those women again have options, but we're just at the, you know, at the whims of the South Carolina Supreme Court and the governor and the state lawmakers to decide the future for these women. And these women are in unthinkable situations. And it's just, it's maddening. Again, it's anti-science. It's these men who have no idea what they're talking about, no idea what these actual women are going through, and they're making these rules that make their lives impossible. Oh, my God. Who's that goofy goober that was, like, crying last week? Like, I didn't know it would be, like, bad. I didn't realize the thing I voted for He was, was in bad. South Carolina. It was the guy in South Carolina was crying, yes. right? Yes, he was. And, you know, on the one hand, I respect the fact that he openly changed his mind. And we don't see a lot of that in South Carolina. Um, On the other hand, my whole problem with the lawmaking process in South Carolina is they don't listen to experts. They don't seek out expertise. And when expertise comes knocking on their door, like I do when I'm up there to talk to them about gun violence and how it affects kids, or when I'm up there to talk to them about why ivermectin isn't a miracle cure for COVID, or when I'm up there to talk to them about abortion, like they don't listen. Like I'm taking my time to come up there and share my expertise with you and they don't listen. So if our lawmakers all listen to the expertise before they voted on these laws, then you wouldn't be in that situation where you'd realize the consequences of your vote after you had already voted and the law went into effect. And but once I, I mean, again, seen it in that, real life, that's like, it's such a man thing, right? That's, that's why, that's why I called him a goofy goober because like, well, you you told but, him everything yes. that could happen, everything that could happen, and then he that, didn't believe it until he actually saw it happen to someone. That's what I was going to say. Like, yeah, like, they have had this information given to right. them. They just are choosing. It's willful ignorance at this point with these bros. It's like they say on TikTok, if he wanted to, he would. <laughs> if he wanted to, he would. Um... And also, like, is he changing his position or is he just going to cry about that? Like, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, Yeah, we'll see. Hmm. To be continued. To To be continued. continued. Also, to be continued, I'm sure the rest of your very busy schedule today uh, and the next 73 days until Election Day. Yes. Um, what kind of things do you do? Like you have to go to fundraisers and talk yeah. to people. What do you do? 
So like yesterday I did, I, we recorded a radio interview for a local radio station that's going to air tonight. And that was fun. Um, today I'm going to spend a couple hours prepping for the event we have tonight, which is my first, it's not quite a head to head with Nancy, but it's, um, called pints and politics where they invite politicians and candidates to come to a brewery and we are interviewed by local political reporters. And so I have a 30 minute slot and then I go away and then Nancy has a 30 minute slot. And so that's our first sort of then pseudo Then do you get debate. to go back? Um, no, but <laughs> we're going to- another 30 minutes? I know. Wouldn't that be great? We're going to stay Who gets to go first? I'm going first. But I don't know Why? Why do you have that. to go first? Probably because I'm the challenger and she's the incumbent, if mm. I had to guess. But- the event sold out in like record time and there's a huge wait list because I think people are paying attention to what, what Nancy is doing in Washington and they're upset and they're excited about my campaign and they want to hear what their other option is rather than voting for Nancy again. So like I'm going to spend a couple hours just reviewing some of the top issues of the day. So I'm ready to answer those questions because there's some issues where I could talk about like while I'm asleep, I could talk about gun violence. I could talk about our healthcare system, our education system, but as a pediatrician and a mom, like I'm not a geopolitical expert, right? Like they're going to ask me about China and Taiwan and the Afghanistan withdrawal. And so like, I have to study those things to be prepared to hold my own in those situations. So that stuff's super intimidating, but again, like we can do hard things, period. Um, <laughs> and I'm just going to prepare myself for it. And that's what you I'm going to do. You can be like, yeah, sir, a I'm a doctor. Like- I like... <laughs> Right. learned all the parts of bodies. And I even challenged myself further and made the bodies tiny. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I can fucking crack China. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just give me a minute. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's also like, it's also like totally absurd because like, it's not like when you're in Congress, you don't have notes and or aren't doing research yourself. Right. I mean, I actually assume some of them just do not do <laughs> research or like look into anything because right. they're just like, blah, tell, blah, me, blah. tell me what to say. Mitch McConnell, yeah. what am I doing? <laughs> like, but, but I mean, I would, the way that it, it would make sense to me as a critical thinking person is that when, if I got into office and things were brought to me, I would have to, truly look into it and research it and go to reputable sources and the experts in the field and then figure out how I, where I fell on it. I mean, there are some things that like, yeah, you're not a Middle East expert, I'm sure. Well, probably just like you do in the hospital, yes. right? I never exactly. saw that before. Let me consult a book. Yes. Or let me call my pediatric cardiology colleagues, but you are exactly right. Like that is what lawmakers should do. And that's what the good ones do do is they realize when their expertise stops and then they have like access to all the resources in the world. So they need to seek that out. But famously, um, my opponent was, there's a story in Politico about her where some of her former staffers said that what she does at policy meetings is she sits down and she starts the meeting by saying, I'm not going to listen to an effing thing that's said here because she doesn't care about policy because she's not there to solve problems. Like she says that in policy meetings as a U.S. Congresswoman. What is and that even? I don't even understand. What's the point? Why go? Right. Why right. show up? Get right. the fuck out. What is she right. doing? What's go back the point? To, go back to Trump Tower and make more videos about how you still love him. But like, don't you just feel, okay. And Dr. Annie, this is why I think you're the 
real fucking deal. Don't you just think that some of these people just want to be reality stars instead of politicians? And like, they should just have their own reality. Like, we should just give all these guys, like the runner, Holly, like, (laughs) I feel like he just wants a, he just wants to be famous. He just wants a reality show where he gets to like say crazy shit. You know what I mean? They don't care about any of this. I don't even think they believe half of it, if I'm being honest. Someone that I once worked for said that Washington can be like Hollywood with cheaper clothes. (laughs) And less pretty people. Um, I think you're exactly right. They all just want to be, to go viral and to get more Twitter followers. And I think that is a perfect solution. So like, let's, let's do that. Let's offer them an opportunity to star in a reality television show that can be <laughs> on, an island. On, on Fox news. And then they can all just step away from their elected positions and we can get serious people up there. You're exactly right. That is what my opponent wants. Like, and I am more than happy to empower her to get that job she wants on Fox news. That's exactly right. Like, honestly, it's it would probably be, like, the best thing that ever happened to her if she lost yeah. to you. Yes. You guys would both, everyone would win. Yeah. Everyone wins when Dr. Annie wins. <laughs> the people of South Carolina win because they actually have someone who cares about policy and who cares about making the lives of South Carolinians better in terms of the reality of healthcare, children, gun violence, reproductive justice old Angelina Jolie over there wins because she gets to be a correspondent on Fox News, which is all she ever really wanted anyway, probably. She doesn't have to go to any more briefings where she's not going to listen. Yeah, she can just go to Fox News where she doesn't have to listen. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's a win-win. And then you win because you get the hardest job of all. (laughs) In addition to all your other jobs. I mean, your kids are little, so it's, it's interesting. You're right. Like, my oldest is 10. She's in fifth grade. So right now, she, and she's like a little budding feminist. She wants to be on the You're Supreme her hero. Court. You're yeah. her hero. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. it's like at that perfect moment in motherhood where my kids think it's cool. The ones who get it, you know, Evelyn is just sort of along for the ride. She loves coming to events. She calls them vents. Mom, do you have a <laughs> vent today? Want to come to one of your vents? And it's, um, it's been really cool. But yeah, it would be harder if they were teenagers, if they had their like own real political opinions or they didn't want to see me on TV. They were embarrassed by me. So that right. will come. That will come. We can circle back to that in a few years. Yeah. I mean, I was just, I was just imagining Birdie's reaction if I ran for office. It would just <laughs> be like, what do you know about anything? <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, I, nothing, Birdie. I'm just, no one knows anything about anything. That's the point. Or you'd be like, I do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it is also like, you know, you're a pediatrician and you work in hospitals, but like it will take you away from your kids for chunks of time. Are you like, how do you feel about that? I I think it's sort of. I'm going to tell you, it's kind of amazing. I was going to say, I'd be like, when do I start? Right. (laughs) Are you talking about a quiet hotel room to myself? You're like, I'm flying. Wait, I'm so sorry. I'm flying without my children and I'm going to be away for four, three days, three and a half, four days. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to make it for you. <laughs> oh my God. That's so true. Um, you know, people, everyone asks me, that's what Vote Mama Luba always says. She's like, women always get asked, how are you going to do it? Like all that. And men never get asked that. I think it'll be a sacrifice, but just like, 
when you like become a mother and people try to warn you what that's going to be like, but you don't you understand yeah, you, you actually are a mother. It's the same thing. I think I'm not going to know what it feels like to be away from my kids and to miss their soccer games and their yeah. you know award ceremonies and stuff. But I mean, it's for them. My oldest knows it's for her yeah. and her friends. So, right. Yeah. And you're I exchanging also- one really hard job that benefits your children and you for another really hard job that benefits all children where you live and all parents. And, you know, and it's also, it will be an excellent opportunity for other people in your children's life to step up and, and show that they support you and that they support your kids and how important this is. Like, I would just say, because it's funny, we used to do a bit on Busy Tonight, our listeners know about this, where anytime we would have a guy on the show, I would be like, so you have three kids and how do you just, how do you juggle it all? Like, how do you do it all? But the truth is, honestly, some, it is just different with moms. Expectations are higher with from your children. Your kids want mom, like the kids want the mom more. Like Birdie the other night was saying remark and my kids love their dad love him but I but Bernie's been like so attached to me in the last year or so at like you know 14 years old it's like I don't know very very all about me again was when and then wasn't for a second and then now is all about me again and I said something like Oh, because I went to Chicago for those two days. Yeah. Remember, Casey? Yeah. And I was like, Bertie, like your dad leaves for two days all the time. And Bertie's like, I know, but I don't care. <laughs> it's like not that big of a deal. Like he'll, it, it's fine when he goes. It's not fine when you go. <laughs> so I think like even though so much of the like, you know, a lot of times when I do interviews, I like tell people interviewers, interviewers to ask better questions. Like when they ask me about mom guilt and shit like that, I'm like, you're perpetuating a thing, Mm -hmm. but it is a thing that does exist. Like, you know, like the pressure and expectation on a mom of young kids, a mom of teenagers, it is fucking real, you know, but you're right. Like anything you don't know until you're in it. And I think it sounds like you have a very supportive partner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that you're able to be there. Yes, you're exactly right. It's societal expectations. It's our own children's expectations. I had a very similar thing where my daughter was giving, was really upset. I couldn't come to this little thing of hers, um, this performance at the end of a week of hip hop camp. And <laughs> I said, you know what, but I went, I, I went last year and I went the year before and I said, and I probably shouldn't have said this. And my husband is incredible and super supportive and super involved. But I was like, has dad ever come to one of these hip hop performances? And she was like, no. And I was like, then why am I getting a guilt trip for missing one? And she's like, because I don't care what he thinks about my dancing. <laughs> right. Because I care we live what... in a patriarchal society yeah. and that's how we got in this mess. And that's why you're doing this in the first place. But still, we're but here. Still, uh, but still, we're here. I am so uh, hopeful for younger generations, especially of young women and their um, with like body stuff, because I feel like so many of them, I know that there are still because of TikTok and Instagram and all that, there is still some amount of that bullshit happening. But I do find that this younger generation is just more like in their own bodies and less caring about 
that kind of thing, you know? And I am very careful the way that I speak about it. But I like said something the other day out loud in front of Birdie about my body. And Birdie was like, you really got to get better priorities, mom. And and I was like, I I know, but I was like, I agree. But also I grew up in the nineties and like, I don't know what to tell you. It's like in my soul. So it's good. We should try to break ourselves of all of these things. And we have to do it like one, you know, like one family to the next. Like, I mean, I I was just thinking about that because I've been watching a lot. My new like guilty pleasure to like unplug at the end of the night is to watch like old 90s romantic comedies. Mm, And that sounds fun. It is. It is fun. It's like movies I've seen five times, 20 times before, but it is so funny because I was like, all of these women are so thin because it was like. That has changed so much in what we see on TV. I'm so yes. glad my daughter's growing up and in time when it isn't like the thinner, the better. It's like people are just comfortable in their bodies. And yeah, but that is a huge societal shift too. But yeah. Um, all right. Well, listen, I'm a, we should let you go because you have, I would talk to you all day because you're just delightful <laughs> and But you fun. have a campaign to run in, a, in gotta a, go run an a, election to win. You got to go win this election. You got to go get your talking points down about, I don't know, Israel, Palestine. I don't fucking know. Whatever you have to like learn about. And I mean, let's get Nancy Mace out of there, guys. Everybody listening, do you know someone in South Carolina? Just text them today and ask them if they know about Dr. Annie. And What uh, district are you? It's South Carolina's first district. South Carolina's first district. Easy to remember. Very important. Ask your friends in (laughs) South Carolina if they know about how sad it is that Nancy Mace is still kissing Donald Trump's ass, even though he disrespected her and how undignified that is. An atrocious voting record. And also, uh, you know, if you've got some extra cash and you're like, I want to spread it around... Dr. Annie uh, could use it. And uh, if you wanted to phone bank, I'm sure you would take out of, you don't have to be in the state of South Carolina to phone bank, do you? No, you don't. And that's the thing. If you live in a place where all your candidates are good to go and they're going to win, like give us your energy, give us your time. You can phone bank and text bank from anywhere. And I hate talking on the phone, but I was a big phone banker in 2020 because I found it was a great way to like channel the way I was feeling and to feel like I was helping. And Phone banking is fun. Like you actually are usually calling friendly voters that you're just trying to remind them that there's an election. You're not getting in arguments with people about policy over the phone when you're phone banking. You're just having delightful little conversations with people, reminding them that there's an election coming up. And uh, Dr. Annie, do they need like volunteers in South Carolina on election day? Yes. There's so many different ways to get involved between now and election day, like the Democratic Party, the League of Women Voters, all these organizations need volunteers to do poll watching, to get out the vote, to drive people to the polls. Um, So just like people need to touch base with campaigns in their community, in my community, or get in touch with the Democratic Party, like the county level Democratic Party, and find a way to make yourself available. Because what I said at that rally last night is, Literally everything is on the line on November 8th, 2022. And we do not want to wake up on November 9th wondering what could have been. So we are in the sprint to the finish line right now and people just have to leave it all, leave it all out there. Um, I would just like to say, guys, there are some places where there are great opportunities. Um, 
again, like if you have the means and you like could, I don't know, vote early or vote by mail, then maybe you just like take a fun trip to Charleston, South Carolina. Because <laughs> it's gorgeous and they have really good restaurants. Beautiful. Right. Yes. And then like I'm a big believer in volunteerism. And I think we need to activate people around elections, volunteerisming. So coming, <laughs> so coming to town and like having a fun weekend, staying like a, it's a long weekend. You stay through Tuesday and you work all day, t- you know, you work the weekend yes. and you, but then you also like go eat at Husk or, you know, <laughs> go to Butcher and go get some. Or, that's right. Oh my God. Yes. That's exactly what people should do. Okay. Well, guys, it's another good idea from me <laughs> to you. <laughs> so many good ideas. Dr. Annie, thank you so much. We are rooting for you here on the East Coast and the West Coast. And hopefully all of our listeners will uh, take all of your advice to heart. Follow Dr. Annie on Insta and Twitter. And yes, you can go to her website. Yeah, Dr. <laughs> that's what, Dr. That's yeah. called. The website <laughs> on the internet, Dr. Annie no, no, Andrews, no, no, no. Dr. Annie Andrews.com, Annie Andrews MD on social media. Please follow me um, and help me win this thing. Yes. You're yes. going to do it. Kick ass tonight. Have the best time. Don't drink Thanks. too much before the <laughs> debate. <Yeah. laughs> that is outstanding advice. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Annie. Thanks. Thanks Bye. for having me. Bye. Bye. Of course. Bye. Bye. Dr. Annie's so great. She, I thank you for introducing me to her. She's awesome. She's awesome. And uh, she said so many super smart things that I hope are resonating with you at home. Maybe someone's running unopposed in your area. Maybe there's an opening on the school board. Uh, look into it. Get into it. I think, uh, it, I mean, if the dipshits that are doing it now can do it, we sure can do it. You know, if Josh Hawley can do it, you can do it. It's just like, we can't not. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing, right? Like, yeah. we don't can't let, not get involved. Don't let anyone go unopposed or unchallenged. Because when you watch the Sunday morning shows and the anchor just lets some radical right-wing person come on and say something that is absurd and untrue and it goes unchallenged, you know how frustrating that is. You know how frustrating that feels. So it's wild that there are seats open uh, that are going unchallenged. And so those people that are running for those seats just get to say whatever and, you know, and nobody calls them on it. No one corrects the record. No one says, actually, that's not true. That's gross misinformation. So when a seat goes unchallenged, all of the wild things that they say also go unchallenged. What did so, the guy say to you? Which guy? The guy that you talked about in the interview who said something and you were like, actually, that's not, I don't know. <laughs> what did he say? Oh, oh, he was just talking about how like this one politician was the only hope for like our country being on the right track. And I was like, actually, I don't believe that politician is our only hope. And he was shocked.
shocked that I was not on board. Because here's the thing, there's never just one way to do anything. And whenever you get, that's like demagoguery, you know, whenever you're like, this is the only person that can save our country. No, we all collectively have to save our country. That's like the point of it. You know, remember who said, who said, I alone can fix this? That was Donald Trump. So anyone who's like, this person alone can fix this. I'm like, dude, shut up. (laughs) <laughs> was it about Bernie Sanders? I declined to answer, but yes, it was. <laughs> it was, and it was like a guy that I like too. But I just don't right. like. Also, by the way, I'm not a Bernie hater. No. I like think that there's some obviously there's some benefit to Burns, but like I can't with the Burns. Like the Bernie Bros, like get like so fucking. Ugh. Just intense and not hearing and not hearing anything else. And I was just like, but that was the moment where like I said, like, you know, I don't agree with what you're saying about him. And yeah, and I don't, I don't hate him. I just, you know, he wasn't my person. But the utter shock that the person reacted with when they said he's the only person that can save the country. And I was like, I disagree. Um, and then I was like, They never expected me to come back with a simple, I disagree. So, like, that's when I knew that, like, you can drop the politeness because that person wasn't being polite to me. They weren't like, oh, should I say this? What if she disagrees? They didn't think about that for one second. And then acted all like I had, like, you know, peed in their Cheerios when I said, you know, something that was just equally forceful back to them, you know? And then was he like, don't yuck my yum. (laughs) (laughs) No, he just kind of was like, I can't, I can't believe you're saying this. And then I was like, believe it, Buster. Come on, dude. (laughs) You're like, I can't believe you said that. I know. That's the thing. And we've talked on this on the podcast before, not just about politics, but about a lot of things. When you're wondering if you should speak up about something, if you should respond to something, like, think about how much the person who opened the door to your response, thought about how you would react in the first place. Probably Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm, didn't mm -hmm. think about it at all. And so to, you know, to not say anything out of politeness is not doing you any favors. It's also not doing them any favors. Talk about running unopposed. A lot of people are running their fucking mouths unopposed constantly. (gasps) Oh, no, wait, hold on one second. Sorry, Gina hasn't been over here in a while. And... Um... I realized that I had left like an ashtray that had like half a joint in it outside. And I just was like. Not good for Gina, probably. What if the dog ate a joint? Or smoked it. Probably, yeah. That's probably more (laughs) accurate to Gina. Just knowing Gina. Just knowing her. Gina's probably like. You are right. I learned it by watching you. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) By the way. Oh, Um, my gosh. Anywho, anyway, what are you doing your best at this week? Oh, I know. I'm trying to put together this like creative council for Vote Mama, or I'm trying to help them put it together, you know? And I want to say, let me just say this. I think like, oh, and, and Vote Mama is like specifically geared towards moms, but they also help any like parents who are running for office because they have lots of resources about like how to juggle 
like kids and families while you're and like lots of advice and mentors and things where like that's the goal. But obviously, you know, there are plenty of other organizations like if you're not a person who has children (laughs) that are great, like Emily's List and, you know, also the States Project and they offer like help and guidance in the same way. Like I really respond as a parent to the idea that more parents, specifically more moms should be in office. Um, But if you're a person who's like, I'm never going to be a parent. It's not for me. I mean, I want you to be in office too. I'm just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I want, I want people who are motivated and care about things other than like Dr. Annie said, like just getting reelected and holding a party line. Right. Like I want people who have many different issues that they can problem solve. Well, Um, people who care about people would be a great fucking start. People who care about people (laughs) would be a great start. (laughs) (laughs) So you're trying to form this creative council. And here's what I did my best at. I wrote like a good letter, I think, to a bunch of people. And I was like, guys, let's just... I know like I'm 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 like spreading this net wide with the hope that like enough people will join on that it's like not one of us has to feel like a heavy lift you know what I mean like because everybody's got lots of things that are asked of them all the time and lots of things that they're trying to do and like it can be overwhelming and I think a lot of times especially people in the public sphere get like, I know I do, you know, like you get asked so many things. You want to say yes to everything, yes to everything, yes to everything. And occasionally you say yes to something and it's like, oh no, that was, right. this is too much. I can't do all this. You know right. what I mean? Right. So I, so I wrote a letter and like sent it out to people and like was really just like motivated to like get it going and get it together. And I feel like that's good. That was good. I did my best at that. That's great. Did you send it out already? Yeah, I sent it out over the weekend to some people, but then there are people I need to like <clears throat> DM and on Instagram and like make sure I have the right email because a few of them I did not hear or like it like got bounced back. <laughs> That's the thing about celebrities, guys. They're always changing their emails. Always changing their emails. Unless you're me and then you just get fucking shit from people from like 1995. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, I think that's really great. I'm proud of you for doing that. Yeah, it's good because I do feel a little bit like sometimes I'm like, I do over extend myself. You do that 100% mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. I do that a lot. I do that yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing. I anticipate mm-hmm. that you'll get a great response, but I look forward to hearing who responds and who gets aboard. I know. Me too. I'm 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 excited. There were some like immediate yeses that were like rad, like Marianne de July and Aww. 
Casey Wilson's like in. Great. Amazing. Love Casey Wilson. Casey. Um, yeah. And there were lots of people that were like, yes, like I'll do whatever, but also I'm stretched real thin. So can you just make it like not hard? I'm like, sure. Right, right. I think that's the thing. Like, you know, you want it to be easy for people, but like also e- also effective, right? Like, yes. Yes. Um, this is how I feel about all of the things that like you're constantly asked to participate in and that sometimes people ask me to like, enlist people to participate in. I feel about it kind of like, um, you know, like when like a bank gives out a free t-shirt, I don't know that that's the best use of like a bank's money to make, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that those t-shirts are convincing anyone to bank with that bank. You know what I mean? I totally agree. Sometimes (laughs) I see swag from places and I'm like, what are you guys doing? And why so, does this bank, why did this bank make a, like a, like a portable dog bowl? Right. Like, I don't, I like, first of all, don't, this is a real, that's a real thing I got from. Yeah, sure. Of course. Like, first of all, like, what's the connection? Right. Right. And so, you know, so it's just one of those things where you really want to, like, do something that's going to be meaningful to people. And sometimes that takes a little more than, like, your first thought. Like, oh, T-shirts or, you know, whatever. It's something that's going to be meaningful and move the needle. And I think you're the best at thinking of things like that. So, Well, that's, like, what the point of, like, being the creativity part of it. I think, like, it's interesting because I think that, like, Trumplicans... (laughs) <laughs> I think that Trumplicans, like, and this is like true. I haven't read that book that about, there's like some book about the rise of fascism, like what in different societies and like how it, how it comes to be, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like certainly so much of the rise of Trump, publicans, Trumpublicans has to do with the current economic place that people are in and right. like, just like the growing discontent with like that's like been these are things that have been sown since I don't know like the 70s because of like outsourcing jobs for cheaper labor and like like because of a capitalist like a, a society like a government that valued like capitalist and business practices right. over the people right li- you know and then right? taking people's dissatisfaction <clears throat> and convincing them that it's the fault of other people with other our people own country right and other people who are truly like just there wanting the same things right as ev- as everyone else and they convince you that you can't have it because this person has too much right and we've given them too much leeway Truth is, the only person that has too much are the fucking billionaires. You never see the finger pointed at a boat. You know what I mean? No, no. You're, it's always like, it's like the immigrants or the Jews. Oh, you have a stake in your grocery cart when I see that you're using Snap to pay for it. Or, you know, I've never gotten in a huger fight than like 
somebody saying that they saw somebody paying for lobster with food stamps, like one of my high school classmates. And I was like, lobster costs an all-time low right now. Also, mind your fucking business and don't look in people's grocery carts. Also, like, let people enjoy their fucking lives. If one person wants to eat one meal of lobster in a day instead of three meals of bologna, that's their business. That's so weird. I didn't even know that was like a thing that people did. Yeah. Like Like lobster shouldn't be allowed because it's a luxury. Wow. 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 What about tampons? I guess. Yeah. Just, you know, fucking bleed all over the place. Like that. It's a luxury. Why are people so into like other people's shit? Is that capitalism or is that just like. I think it's. I think it's capitalism because people are like, well, I don't have everything that I want. So I think that people of a lower, I think it's classism. People of a lower station Mm -hmm. than I don't deserve things that I consider a luxury that I deserve. I also think it's like, um, you know, probably has a little bit to do with religion um, and, you know, and what people consider sinful, uh, you know, and and I think we are harsh judges of ourselves, but we're certainly harsher judges of other people. Not when- me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. I am like able to find with even the most repugnant person, I'm able to like concoct some fucking story that makes them sympathetic. And I mean, with the exception of, you know, yeah. your Hollies and your... <laughs> Trumps and your Hitlers, you know. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, I get that. But yeah, like their their villain origin story. Yeah, but like I'm so hard on myself. I don't know. Whatever. That's not the point. The point is, oh, we're also massive fucking hypocrites. Yeah, I mean, I probably am that. That's probably true. Well, I mean, just Americans in general are like, you know, this for me, but not for thee, you know, which is like the whole thing with that we've been saying all along with abortion rights is that like this isn't going to affect anyone who's powerful. They'll still get any abortion health care that they need. It's going to affect people that are less powerful. And that's what they want, because that's a luxury that you don't deserve. Determining your own future. Right. And how you have a family or don't have a right. family. Right. So it's it's super fucked up, but I just don't I mean, in a country that's supposedly based on freedom, I'm surprised how much people imprison themselves in a fortress of not minding their own fucking business. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just be free. Go go to the beach, buddy. Go, you know, you go buy a lobster if that's what you, what you want and you're so mad about who has lobster. I mean, first of all, I can't eat it. It hurts my stomach. <laughs> Eli can't eat it either. He throws yeah, up. Yeah, it always, always. Me too, always. Yeah. It always makes me throw up. Why? What is that? I don't know. And he tries it every couple years to me see too. if he's like grown What's out of it. What's wrong with me and Eli? What is wrong with me and Eli? I don't know, but he can eat any other shellfish, Me but too. Not it must be like, a, there must be like an enzyme or something that we yeah. both have. I, but you know what I love? And this is because of Michelle. And it's so funny. What? Crab legs. 
king king crab legs. Michelle and I, when we were on Dawson's Creek, Michelle was like, oh, we got to go get king crab legs. <laughs> I was like, had never had it before. And we would go and get these king crab legs and dip it in the fucking butter and oh eat it. God. And I was like, to me, that was luxury. You know what I mean? It is luxury. Also, I really want to see Michelle eating a pile of king crab legs right now. Like, cause she's, I mean, she's just a little pixie angel and I want to see her dismantling a crab leg. That's, I've seen it so many times <laughs> in my life. It is my, it is one of my favorite things about her that she just would get fucking down for crab legs. She loves it. It's so funny. She's adorable. She's going to Toronto to the film festival because her movie is premiering there. Oh, but that's it's exciting. like very close to her due date. Oh no. Yeah. I'm nervous. <gasps> oh about my gosh. It. She better wear three pairs of pants. Would that work, you think? I feel like it tell- <laughs> I feel like you put on that third pair of pants and the baby gets the message like my mom needs me to stay in here. Well, they say about your third birth that it's a wild card. Yeah, right? like you your don't first know one it's... is like long and impossible. Your second one is generally pretty easy, quick. Sometimes yeah. people like can't even make it to the hospital. The baby just right. came, and then the third one's the wild card, and you just don't know. You just, you don't, just don't know how it's going to go. Ha- how's it going to go? I haven't seen her. I was supposed to. We were trying to figure out a thing. Like it's been so hard. It's been so yeah. hard. Yeah. I really miss all of my friends. I know. It's really hard for me. You know, I am going to see Louis Peitzman tonight. I'm going to see a band play with him. Oh, nice. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. And Bernie oh, went to Louis. Harry Styles yesterday. By, yeah, I saw your Instagram with a friend. stories. Wow. Wait, but they woke up, up at like 7 a.m., and went and waited in line for wristbands, and then they were against the barricade. They got to be like against the barricade. That's amazing. So cute. I hope they had they, fun. I think they had a great time. Um, yeah, they did. I mean, like I saw Bird when they got home. Like I think they had fun, and they had, it was like a tiring day. Yeah, but like I was just so kind of grateful because oh, this podcast is too long. Um. <laughs> I was grateful because I feel like Bertie's at that age now where like those are the teen experiences you should have with friends. Like you should go wait in line for too long to go see Harry Styles to like get the wristband to see her with just like a general admission ticket, you know? Yeah. Like no no strings were pulled, obviously. Right, right. Like Bertie just went with their friend, stood in line, I was like, that's the shit, dude. Like, you know, I do the thing sometimes like where I like pull strings, but that's like about making shit easier for me. <laughs> right. Like, you know, and I think yeah. like it, and I think in a way it makes it less fun for the kids. And that's a great thing for me to know and learn and think like, oh, maybe in the future I should remember that, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> I will do the like pulling the strings easy version again in the future for myself. Like just because <laughs> I don't want, I am too, I don't want to do it. It's not for her <laughs> at this point. You know what I'm saying? You're not going like, to wait in line at seven in the morning. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I am not. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I also don't need to be against the barricade to see. It's true. Mr. Styles. Uh, it's true. 
for the fifth time. Yeah. He's now almost approaching, it's now almost approaching like absurdity, like that I've seen Harry almost as much as I've seen Tori Amos. Like, yeah, it's getting like since, Grateful, Grateful Dead. I'm like a territory. I'm like a deadhead. Yeah. I'm yeah. a deadhead for Harry you're, Styles. You're a apparently. Harry head. But I did. I, is that what they call them? I don't like I don't it. know. I just. But, but I mean, my like love and appreciation of him and his music. I mean, he's, we don't have anyone like him. Yeah. You know, he's, he's Bowie. He's Prince. Yeah. He is. I mean. <laughs> I think he's a singular talent. I do. Yeah. I think, I think he so. is like Bowie so and as Prince. Well. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that David Bowie is on par with Prince or Prince is on par with, they're all singular No, they're incomparable. They're singular. They're incomparable. They're yeah. Incomparable. And yeah. I think that like, to me, like Harry Styles will be, he is one of those things. Like, yeah. Madonna's interesting. I mean, she is, she is so interesting because of the sheer amount of time she has remained relevant. And like, I know that people always use the word reinvention with her, but she has truly reinvented herself so many times, but not only reinvented herself so many times, but reinvented herself in ways that people accepted. You know, because when an artist reinvents themselves, it's a risk that th- that this reinvention is going to be rejected. But I also think that, like, the younger Jen doesn't know any Madonna, really. Oh, probably not. But maybe But they know, they all know Britney. Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, it's probably, like, there's probably got to be, like, a Madonna renaissance that's got to be kicked off by something, and whether that'll happen... Well, maybe happen... it was the Beyoncé remix of Vogue. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But whether that'll happen in her lifetime or, you know, once she's no longer here with us, which I know, that's wild to be saying that about Madonna, but it's just, like, we are just the ages that we are, and we don't live forever, not even Madonna, you know? So... It'll be it'll be interesting, but she is just, you know, when I think of Prince and when I think of Bowie and Madonna and Harry, I think fits into this. Like, I think um, there's, I might say it wrong, but there's uh, a German term, Gesamtkunstwerk, which means like a total artwork. And mm-hmm. I think all of those people... Um, thought of everything like it's music it's a persona it's a look it's stagecraft it's Mm -hmm. acting they're Mm -hmm. all talented Mm -hmm. on-screen actors actors. yeah Mm -hmm. and and Beyonce is Beyonce same Gaga Gaga yes all so I mean sometimes there are just people that like and so when people like that believe something like that's a little nutty that I'm like okay what chemtrails you think chemtrails are real I'm like I kind of give them a teeny pass for that because I think they almost have to believe that they can fly in order to do what they can do who who believes in chemtrails I mean sometimes you know I think Prince thought a little that chemtrails might have been a little true Uh, (laughs) um but yeah i i think they also think that they that if they flapped their arms that they could like defy gravity and fly and so i give them a little yeah 
I give them a little leeway when they're like, oh, eating dirt is good for you or whatever. I'm like, okay. I mean, you know, because they have to really believe almost the impossible. So sometimes like a little weird ideas get in, in my opinion. Um, And as long as it's not really hurting anyone, then I'm like, okay, you can eat dirt if you want. Remember Madonna's yoga? I I mean, there's so many things to remember with Madonna because she's just been at it for like 40 fucking years. I love her. It's wild. It's wild. And uh, yeah, and she's given us so much and like, and hustled for it, you know? Really? She's a fucking hustler. She's hustled for it. And, um, and I've actually like, you know, met her a couple times and she was delightful. <laughs> oh, right. Of course. Because not Rosie. every, yeah, she was friendly with Rosie. I was also there at Letterman the time she said the F word so many times that it was like made history. Iconic. It was iconic. It was iconic. Um, I did feel kind of bad because she kind of said that it was planned, but it, I, it wasn't planned. It wasn't, the, that wasn't the bit uh, as anyone that worked at the show understood it, but it became iconic. And then, have I ever told this story on the podcast? Like, Dave was like, Madonna's inviting me on the MTV Awards to, like, do a bit where we bury the hatchet after she cursed on the show so many times. And uh, should I do it? And a lot of people were like, no, no, absolutely not. Don't do it. And then he turned to me and was like, you're young. Should I do it? (laughs) And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And uh, he was like, okay, if this goes badly, it's all on you. And I was like, great, I take it. I'll take it. So he did it. He went and did this bit with Madonna where they walked out hand in hand. And he like kissed her hand and said, I'll be waiting in the car. And then he said, watch your language. Like, that's it. And walked, you know, walked off. But uh, it was wild. And uh, I stood backstage with um, the remaining members of Nirvana and uh, watched it and they laughed and thought it was funny. And I was like, if the remaining members of Nirvana think it's funny, then great. I, I'm home free on having advised him to do that. <laughs> what a weird time. 1994. She's given us a lot, Madonna. She really has. She's done the work. Speaking of Nirvana, you know that I just saw this thing that like Francis Bean just turned 30. That seems (laughs) impossible. Well, just like Uh, whenever I hear how old a Jenner girl is, I'm like, what? But it's just because they've been famous since they were like nine. Same with Lindsay Lohan. I can never wrap my head around how old, not how old she is, how young she is, because she's been famous forever. Forever. Forevs. Yeah. Since she was like a baby. Yeah. Same with Britney. When people are like, I, I'm like, Britney has to be this age. And then it's always like reliably five to 10 years less than I thought. And it's because <sighs> she's been like, uh, you know, when you get started on that Mickey Mouse Club or whatever. Um, Paula Pell just sent a f- photo to our group text, so I had to look at it, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was a photo that she found of herself performing at Disney, and she had a special, like, guest, a, a visitor to the show, and it's, like, a Doogie Howser era Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, God. That's <laughs> <laughs> insane. That's truly insane. That is so funny. 
and weird. Wow. Wow. Um, all right. I guess we should go. It's yeah. been a long time. And yeah. I uh, don't know what I'm doing with the rest of my life, but I'm going to... Oh, I guess I'm going to see Lewis tonight. Okay. So that gave me something. There you go. You got a thing tonight. And oh. then uh, we have a couple things that we need to talk about. And then who knows? Maybe we'll have news for people in the future. You and me? Yeah. I hope so. Well, all that's standing between you and me and news to tell people is us talking about it. I was really, like, on fire last week with ideas. Yeah. On fire! Yeah. And this week I just want to sleep. Yeah, that's how it goes, you know? Fuck. <laughs> okay. But I love you. I know. I know. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I love you, too. And we love you, who everybody who listened for this very long time. I thought you were about to say whoever you are. <laughs> I was going like, to laugh because that would be really funny. I feel like and I we know love you, whoever, whoever you are. are. <laughs> I feel like I actually do know everyone individually. Like, what does she get into? Oh. This is like, this is why we were at the vet yesterday, Gina. After you woke me up and I didn't sleep because you vomited all over my carpet. Thank God I have that little green thing. Yeah. Cleaning machine. This is also Boy, did why I you, go to go to town on that. You don't this is why you don't buy another Gina, no matter how cute they are. Cause that that little green machine can only do so much. No, it's okay, Gina. It's okay, Gina. It's okay, <laughs> Gina. Your little cute face. You're so cute. You're so cute. You're blinking at me. She blinks at me like with eyes of love. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Like she just like gives me the best eyes and then just blinks, blinks, blinks. <laughs> she was so sad when she was sick and she was throwing up. And then I was like cuddling her and I was so worried. Aww. And then the vet was like, she probably just ate something. She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But then she got her favorite diet of all time, which is just chicken cooked in the air fryer. Sure. And rice. white rice. White rice. But I think sometimes she makes herself throw up so that I give her that. Is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> what if Gina is like manipulating me to get the, <laughs> to get chicken and rice? To get to get homemade chicken and rice. I mean, it's possible. Cause by the way, can I tell you something? She threw up the first time, but the rest of the time she was really just like dry heaving. Oh, well, maybe she's the best actor of all of us. Honestly? <laughs> the rehearsal season two, starring Gina. <laughs> starring me and Gina. Uh, I have some things I'd like to rehearse, Nathan. <laughs> that sounded weird. And like, I don't even know what you would infer from that. But like, I do. I have yeah. things to rehearse. Sure. Who doesn't want to rehearse some shit? Who wouldn't want to rehearse some shit? I sure do. Same. Same. <laughs> okay, well, we, we love you all. Thanks for hanging out with us. Love and uh, we'll talk to you next week. And we'll see you on next the Substack. Week. Goodbye. Bye.
Oh, no. 